What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 34 of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at readyplaymovies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is August 31st, 2021. I'm your host, Louis Menchaca, and joining me today is my co-host, Mr. Troy Bracey. Yes, yes. As always, we back, you know what I'm saying? So, good <laughs> she, to be back. Shit, yeah. I never left. <laughs> yeah. Man, it felt like, I felt like I missed two weeks. And, and, and I think it felt like that because the... Um, Eternals trailer dropped, mm-hmm. and that dropped like I think the day after our show. Yes, and and so like that whole yeah. week I was like, all right, I want to talk about the Eternals trailer next week on the show. Yeah, then I missed that, yep. and then that day Spider Man trailer dropped, and so then I missed that. So it felt like you two know it's been two weeks since I haven't talked about some the good ass news. It's crazy. I'm I'm glad that you actually start looking. You look forward to to this podcast because I was I always wonder. We don't we don't talk about this off off uh, off camera, but I always wonder like how. Like, if you enjoy doing this podcast, you know what I mean? Well, right? I mean, of course, because I talk movies. You know, I'm, I I consider myself, and I hope I don't sound like cocky or anything, but I consider myself an expert in the mo- in movies. Yeah. So, anytime I could discuss movies and chop it up. And, and somebody, like, at your, at your level. Yeah, like, absolutely. I enjoy yeah. it. So, yeah. Because when, when, when we're at, like, hanging out with some with some friends and stuff, we sort of have to, like, you know, not dumb it down. Dumb it down. But, I mean, like, not, not, a in a bad way. not in a bad but, way. Yeah, like. Um, but you got to keep it casual. Casual, yeah, yeah. right. Because they're. Not everybody is, uh, and that's you one. Can't of the get things. in the weeds. Yeah, know? right. Yeah. That's what I be realizing. Not everybody's experts in movies or yeah. trying to like analyze a movie. They just watch it for what it is, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, so that's actually gets us uh, gets us to the thing. First off, I said last week we we're going to be doing Saturday recordings. We're actually recording on Monday. Thank you, Troy. <laughs> yeah, I so no Saturday recording yet. Hopefully uh, that I don't. I haven't, ta- I haven't talked to him off, off camera about it. But for now, uh, we're on we're on Monday, so I think we we'll got, be good on Monday. We so. got the movie news uh, very timely for you guys, um, yes. and also because Troy did miss uh, the last week's show, we're gonna talk about the the two trailers from last week that we were gushing that Dallas and I were gushing about last week, which was the Eternals trailer and the Spider Man trailer. So go ahead and hit us up with the Eternals thoughts. Uh, the Eternals trailer. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to pull it up for you, too, while you're talking. Um, the Eternals trailer, that, that kind of dropped a surprise. I will say this. I ain't going to lie. I'm going to be real. I'm Like, the Eternals hasn't... The trailers, the first one and the second one, hasn't really blown my mind. I, I haven't, like, seen it. In, I haven't seen anything yet from this movie where like oh my god i gotta go see this shit like to me it just does it it feels like just another superhero movie especially because i've never heard of these characters before i don't know their powers i know nothing about them right Right. so i'm just like these trailers not doing nothing for me i'm not really jumping up and down but the one thing that got Mm -hmm. has me very optimistic about this and excited about this is anytime and a lot of people don't pick up on this Anytime a movie comes out and then on the second trailer, it's like it's the final trailer. Yeah. That means they have so much confidence in the movie that they don't need to. They did it with Joker. They did it with Logan. You know, both of those movies got Oscar nominations and was like some of the greatest comic book movies ever. Right. And so the fact that on the very second trailer that they hit us with, you know, just the final trailer. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? The final trailer? I'm thinking we're going to get eight trailers and all this (laughs) final trailer. Ten TV spots. Right. 
and so to me, it had shows that they got supreme confidence. Which, by the way, they're doing that with Shane Chi. They're putting out like a trailer every every yeah, second, right? And that's 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 kind of like that's which I haven't been covering by the way because there's too many of them. But yeah, yeah. So exactly. Yeah. And so that's usually the motto. But every now and then, when a studio feel like they got gold, they want to like keep it. Like, they want to blow people's yeah. mind, you know. And that's why Logan only had two trailers and Joker had two trailers. And the fact that they only had this only has two trailers and it's an unknown property. Like this ain't like Doctor Strange or nothing like it's completely unknown and they only had two trailers. That has me very I mean, I excited. I don't even think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One had two trailers. Two trailers, yeah. yeah it so had like a whole bunch more than that. Yeah, so I'm very excited about this movie. Um just from not necessarily like oh from what I seen that got me excited, but I think from behind the scenes. Basically you know Marvel's confident. I know, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And and if Marvel's confident then you know it's something special. And I think even Kevin Feige talked about how good he think this movie is. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, that's actually true. But I will say, like, just even looking at the trailer as we were watching it, which I wish... I, I wish, cool I wish, yeah, I, was, I wish I could play it for you guys, but copyright stuff or whatever. But uh, yeah, it looks very stylistically, like, really cool. And you can tell just by seeing it that there's like i don't know like an it's expert. artistic yeah there's an expert like craftsmanship going into yeah it is going into it yeah it, so it, it looks cool you know it just it's nothing that i haven't seen nothing that i that blow me but it the both trailers i think are at least at the very least interesting so yeah there goes that proto cyclops right up there yeah yeah got cyclops <laughs> a little superman in there a little x-man feel in there like you got a bunch of little stuff like sprinkled into whoever these characters are <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, that, that, that's cool. Now I'm going to go ahead and pull up the, the Spider-Man uh, No Way Home trailer, and I don't think uh, Troy needs to watch a trailer while he talks about it, because you probably haven't memorized it by now from I don't say that about 20 times. I ain't going to lie. Before you say anything, I've got to say, I saw somebody took the 90s animated series. I seen that. And I seen that. that and they did and it like, very Damn. good. I was so I was surprised like, at how good. They, they even had Strange in the trailer yeah. and everything. I was, yeah, that was And then they, the, the lip, and at certain times, the lips actually matched. Matched. Like, I was like, damn. Like yeah. the part where he was like, oh, okay, that's strange, but I'll allow it. You yeah, know, like, like kind of yeah, I, I was very surprised on how good that was. Yeah. So, uh, so what? Okay, I, I gotta, I gotta say, I'm not the kind of guy that does like reactions where I'm like, you know, you see like a reaction. <gasps> trailer, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So like last, yeah, exactly. So like last week, I kind of felt very like. I felt very low key whenever I was talking about it. Yeah. But um, with Dallas, kind of brought the hype because D- Dallas is way more of a showman and, than mm, I am. Yeah. Uh, so I, but internally, I was feeling like that. Mm, yeah. yeah, 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 but absolutely. Go for it, go for it. No, I, I was feeling like that too. You know, um, the the trailer is just fantastic, really, all around the board. It's it's a great trailer, and um, it just seems like straight up fun. And the fact that this is the first, this is revolutionary. This is like what Avengers was basically. This is the first time how Avengers was the first comic book movie to do crossovers and all that shit and it was like something spectacle about it just cause of that like we never seen a bunch of different characters from different movies crossover and be in this big spectacle yeah. this is what that is but just from with universes like yeah. this is the first time we're seeing different universes crossover and like when you see it I think that's why with this trailer the way people are reacting to it is the reason why people are reacting to it so much is because it's like, wow, you can't, it's a part of you that can't believe it. Like, oh shit, it's crossing over with other villains from the other, like, it's, it blows my mind. And it's crazy because even me, I'm not gonna lie, I do not like any of those amazing Spider-Man villains. But, the fact that I'm seeing, like, you know, you get a little, you get the little glimpse of, uh, you see, uh, the, um, 
the lizard, lizard. You see lizard in there. Yeah. Like I didn't really like lizard in Amazing Spider-Man, but, but seeing him, I'm like, all of a sudden oh he's shit, lizard! <laughs> like you know, and I you got the Easter egg of Electro and shit. Like I hope it's Willem Dafoe though. It better be Willem Dafoe for Green Goblin. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I what think if it's it, James Franco? No, nah, <laughs> I, I, I think it's because you heard his voice. Yeah. yeah, you heard his voice. Like and and I, I doubt you heard his voice I'm and surprised. it was his pumpkin. So. I'm genuinely surprised that they got Willem Dafoe. I, yeah. I would have I would have thought he would have said no to this. Nah, I, I, I mean you know? Willem Dafoe. Oh, he's one of them dudes that he was in Aquaman. He accept he accept anything, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. so I, I that didn't surprise I forgot, me. Much. He, he's no he's no Hugo Weaving as well. Right, I exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, you know, but I, I will say as much as I liked it, one of the things I hope. I hope is is that is not what it is in the trailer because then I I'll be a little disappointed because there's some things in this trailer that's just plain ridiculous, right? So first of all, you got like Doctor Strange, right? He Peter Parker, he comes to him and he's like, "Hey man, can you just uh, erase everybody's memories?" Oh, da, da, da. He's like, and "I he's got like, you. Oh, I got you. I'll do it. Yeah, you're my <laughs> pal, right?" And I'm like, "Is this the same Doctor Strange that was like, I'll let you and uh, Parker die before I let <laughs> yeah. him get the stone?" Like he was like, he's one of them real dudes that ain't gonna be playing with this stuff yeah. like that like he taking it serious and then secondly I like, like i protect all of reality all asshole you know like exactly bro so i'm like to me for him to just so willingly just be like all right peter yeah i'll do it and then just uh him like and, him and iron man have a lot more alike than you think you know what well, i mean yeah they're so both brilliant and they they're like they're basically making him out to sound like he's got an ego like oh yeah. man i just they defeated thanos i can do anything yeah yeah but I, how I'm to saying. me I, I i hope that's not what they're going with that though because to me it just don't seem consistent and it just seemed too easy like it's like i, I felt like it, you, you shouldn't just be able to go say hey man can you do something that can, can possibly cause a, a multi-global dimension <laughs> thing and that, but i just need your help okay i got you i i hope that's not the case and also like that was also dumb like it seemed like strange was blaming him like in the trailer he's like well you tried to live double life this is your fault i'm like dude you're the one that did it like he you're supposed to be the responsible guy here you know what i'm saying peter's just a kid you know what i mean so it's some things that i'm like i hope it's not what it looked like it seems i'm i predict that that's not dr strange you know what I'm saying? I'm predicting that the, whoever that is is the villain for the Doctor Strange movie, and it's like going to either be revealed in a post credit scene or at the end of the movie that that wasn't Doctor Strange the whole time, and it was like some villain. It's like for, some Bizarro Superman shit where he's like, well, see, the where thing he's is, uh, like being like he's like trapped somewhere else, but but yeah, yeah. and it, that's what yeah. I'm thinking it is because it's, it almost seems like when in the trailer when uh, uh, when his homeboy was like, "Don't do that spell," and he does the little wink, like he doesn't feel like Doctor Strange. He seems like he's somebody else like winking at us like almost like breaking the fourth wall like yeah yeah i think it's me whatever you know <laughs> so and but in it and it matches up with this whole trilogy because if you think about it like michael keaton right remember the reveal of him being uh his girlfriend's daughter his date's uh dad, dad and it was like oh it was like the twist and yeah. like we didn't know that, that they were and even with um the not far from home where like you know it was like uh they end up being scrolls the um Nick time, Fury, yeah. and so the whole time they were scrolls it wasn't nick fury uh, yeah. the whole time you know so they've been doing this kind of stuff it'll be consistent to me like if they did do something like that and i wouldn't mind it but even if they don't i just hope it ain't how it is in the trailer like hey i need you to do and then they just do it you know so i hope it's more to it like it's more writing than that you know what i mean so but uh, but, but man i can't lie this is the most i've ever been excited for a spider-man movie by far it's not even close and i i have very high faith that it's gonna be good because the last two spider-man 
man. It's been good. And it's directed by John Watts, the same director. So yeah, I'm agreed. excited. I mean, I am. This is my most anticipated movie of the year. Like, yeah, bar none. Yeah, for sure. And uh, also, I just gotta say, I really, I'm not a fan of these like trailers within the trailers where they have the like five seconds. Bro, it yeah. almost felt like they spoiled the trailer. <laughs> like, why do y'all do that shit? I hate that, bro. As you know why, right? Why? Because they feel like people's attention man too short to watch a trailer. Like, so on YouTube, when they put ads, it's five second skippable ads. Yeah. So they put the trailer in five seconds. So that way, when you get to when the skip button shows up, then you've already watched enough of it. Like kind of. Oh, okay, okay. Those yeah, bastards. I guess that's just stupid. That's, that's, that's the internet ruins everything, man. Yeah, real talk. But yeah, I'm excited though. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and move on to the actual show. Show. Uh, so for for starters, uh, we got uh, I got one episode of One F to talk about. Troy has two episodes of What If to talk about since he wasn't here last week. Well, Troy, I, I didn't see What If. I haven't watched it yet, so I can't even talk about What If. You know, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if I'm gonna be into What If like that. Really? Come, you should have at least watched episode two. Man. I, 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 it like, had Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Not, oh, that's the one now. I, I thought that, I thought that was gonna be in fourth episode. No, that's the second one. The second one. Yeah. I'm gonna what have if to watch Chadwick? That one. What if What if Black Panther was Star Lord? I think that that might be the only one I watched only because to show my boy, you know, Chad with Bozeman, you know, the legendary Chad with Bozeman, some love. But man, it, you it's, a bitch. It's, nah. I just, I just, I'm not gonna lie. I just that that the animation annoys me so much. I'm not a fan of it. Like I don't think it's bad animation. It's just like if if I don't like the animation, it's hard for me to watch cartoons. That's it just looks the like way a graphic I, novel though. I know, like, I, and that's what yeah. they're going for. Yeah. But for me, it just doesn't work on screen. You know what I mean? Sometimes it does. Like, like when Into the Spider Verse, they did like the they, stop motion animation. Yeah, like, and like, I, yeah. I, I I actually like that. But I can see for some people that didn't work. For some people, it just looked weird. But for me, if I can't get behind the animation, it's very hard for me to watch anything animated. Damn. That's just how I am because, like, that's everything. That's the look of what you're watching. And if I don't like the animation, it's like, fuck. Man, man I like I'm it a, just for the story. And but, the, uh, you know, but I'm going to definitely, I'm a definitely uh, give that the, the second episode a shot if that's the one with Chad with Bozeman. I, I don't know why he's I thought that be, was the fourth episode. He's going to be in four episodes total, so he's got three more Oh, to that's go. probably why I got it confused. He's going to be in four episodes. I thought he, that they was, just, he was going to appear on the fourth episode. Okay, that's how I got it. He's going to be here in four episodes total. We've only seen one so far. We got three more to go. Damn, I, I didn't know they used them that much. Shoot. And uh, uh, three more to go, and it's going to be somewhere like... So there's nine episodes total. We've only gotten three so far. So that means there's only six... There's only six more to go, and of those six, he's in half of them. Mm. Like, yeah, that, out of the good. six that's left, good. he's in three he, of them. They so. got, they, you know what I'm saying, got him for so much. That's cool. So, I, I bet you, I bet you, I, that'd be cool if he does, like, he's not, he hasn't come back until, like, the last three, where you yeah, get him back to back to back, cool. and I, that'd yeah. be cool, Whereas they just sort of, like, hold it off. Oh, and, for him, yeah, yeah, that'd be dope. So, yeah, okay, fine, fine. Uh, I'll go ahead and give my thoughts on What If, then. Uh, so, then episode three uh, aired, um, or, you know, aired, streamed. Uh, whenever between last episode and this episode, and the episode covered, uh, what if the Avengers died before they could assemble for the first time? Mm. And so, do you remember like how Phase One, how Iron Man Two, The Incredible Hulk, and Thor One all uh, all uh, took place in the same week? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's like the, what, Nick, Fury's, the same, yeah. Nick Fury's week or big, big yeah. week or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so basically, uh, that whole what if episode covered all of those movies in like one episode. And uh, basically, there's like it, it's a murder mystery. The whole uh, arc of the entire episode is a murder mystery because somebody is killing the Avengers uh, before they can assemble. Like, so I it starts off. I'm gonna guess a little spoiler, which it was shown in the trailer, by the way. 
in the trailer, it shows uh, uh, in Iron Man 2 where he's on top of that donut where he's like, you know, eating a donut oh, in, yeah, that, yeah, in yeah. that donut. Yeah. And then Nick Fury is like, you know, come on down. And then uh, so it has that scene where he's saying like um, Iron Man's like, I don't want to join your super secret boy band or whatever. And yeah, then, that so, same scene. So yeah. he gets assassinated and he falls over, dies. And then it's like, well, what the fuck is happening? That's and, like, crazy. and so everyone's pointing fingers. We're trying to figure it out. And then shit gets real, real fast. It's funny how like. Iron Man survived through so many movies to all kind of different villains or whatever. Then it is he just assassinated and yeah. died so quick and easy. Yeah, like. very like like just drops dead. God and damn. I'm like, what the fuck? And so, um, so yeah, like the whole like you, there were some surprise deaths that happened that like real talk I never would have seen coming. I never thought it would have been possible. Oh well, I definitely do. Like if they don't listen in a what if show and you still you do don't have death, yeah, yeah, like. To me, that'd be a weak show if, like, you don't take that opportunity to no just risks. kill anybody. Yeah. yeah, it's like there was. I mean, like, yeah, obviously in a what if and stuff that you you could take risks, but even within the what if, I was surprised by a certain character's death, even within the what if. Mm. And I don't want to spoil who it was or whatever, but like, it was like surprising that they did that. They, they pulled it off in a in a semi believable way, but also like the, the the fact of the matter is the shows are twenty minutes long per episode. And you're covering, you're speed running through three different movies. And so there's a lot of plot threads that were unanswered or just never, they never were talked about even within the show. Because, you know, like, if you think about the fact that Iron Man 2 was happening, you know, that means like, they don't even talk about what's happening with Justin Hammer or Mickey Rourke's character. Yeah. Um, when the fact that Incredible Hulk was happening, they never uh, talked about the abomination or what's mm. going on with him. Yeah. Like there's other stuff that just like, they don't, that's not part of what the show is about that. It just like, if you would, if there was more time to, you can sort of like see like a bigger butterfly effect mm, that, yeah. I, that you would expect from yeah. what's happening because these are happening during the middle of these movies as plots. Mm, yeah. And so, yeah, they did go into like something that would happen with Thor, like in Thor's plot, but otherwise, like it doesn't. It's not a how do I put this? It's not as a it's not as like a, a deep dive as far as what I was expecting. But the actual central conceit conceit is very interesting. the The story had me like riveted from the uh, from like like from like the from the first few minutes. And what's kind of interesting is that they, uh, um, I was seeing some like some fan reviews and stuff like that, and there, and I don't know if, if people are just like talking shit or whatever, but like I didn't see it coming. But other people were like, "Oh man, I knew from from this moment it was that person." I'm like, "How the hell did you know?" Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but you know, whatever. So, yeah, yeah that, that. What if I, I would say episode two is definitely the best episode out of all of them, bar none. It and not just because of uh, even not just haven't only been two episodes three. Oh, three. Three. Uh, the Peggy, the Peggy Carter, the Chadwick Boseman, and then now the the what if the Avengers uh, got killed? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so um, what the, the way I'd say episode two is definitely the best episode out of the out of all of them. And now I can understand why episode one was episode one, the Peggy Carter one. It was very basic. It was very by the numbers. It was it was not there was no creative risks. But if you think about episode one, it's a pilot. It's supposed to get you uh, used to the idea. And then they elevate it after that. Yeah, so, like, yeah. episode one is definitely the weakest, and it probably will be the weakest yeah. out of all of them. Yeah. But, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. The other thing I was watching was Rick and Morty. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it other than Pickle the fact... Rick. Pickle Rick. Yeah, Pickle Rick. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the only, the only thing I got to say about Rick and Morty is, number one, I hate the fact that they're withholding the last two episodes. They're holding it wow. back for a season uh, finale. 
So uh, like that may uh, you could bench everything, but so like they did episodes one through eight. There's ten episodes. They did episodes one through eight, one Sunday at a time, and then the following Sunday when it was supposed to be episode nine's turn, Ooh. they didn't air it. Oh, and they're like. In a couple weeks, we're going to do a two-part finale. You know, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, Come on, man. The show's done, you know? Yeah. And so, there was It better be good, at least, if they're going to do that shit. It better be, yeah. Um, and then there was the uh, the whole... Uh, I just want to say, as a, as a whole, like, the show is... is um, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, I definitely think the show is losing a little bit of its edge in the sense that mm. I, don't, I don't think it's as funny as it was. As it was. There's, they've been doing a lot of stuff with like crazy ass like mind blowing uh, like conceits like a decoy families and a space baby and all these mm. other stuff and uh, Rick's going into his memories and we're finding out lore about him and it's like characters from his past and stuff like that but like uh, the, the show itself although it is a entertaining spectacle to view it's not really as funny as I I'm not laughing out loud as I used to in previous yeah. seasons so. Uh, I would say that that's really all I wanted to say about Rick and Morty. Uh, I think the show is, I don't think the show has jumped the shark. I don't think it's like it's on a decline, but it definitely is. It's sort of like it's holding, not at its peak. No it's more. not at its peak, but it's. I think it's. It's feel like it's holding steady. They are doing creative risks as far as plot wise, but they're not being funny. And I don't know what it is yeah. they need to do to fix it. But yeah. uh, there was like a like a Voltron episode that was like a parody of like all the Japanese animes like Gundam and stuff. Mm. But there wasn't a, uh, and then there was also like a parody of like the Godfather and all these, and like uh, all the Goodfellas and all these other gangster movies. But like, although the parodies were there, there wasn't anything like laugh out loud. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. So I don't know, but whatever. That's it might have been that long break they had, man. They might've lost their edge. Cause they had a long gap, right? Didn't they? Yeah, like, they did like... between seasons two and three, but like a year and a half or two years, something like that. But also, like the thing about it is, like Cartoon Network renewed them for one hundred or for seventy episodes, totally yeah. one hundred episodes. Yeah. And so, like, I think there's a, they're in a position where the characters can't grow too much because you have to write seventy episodes worth yeah. of stuff. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, so Troy, uh, I talked about my thoughts on Reminiscence uh, last week. Mm-hmm. And I sort of gave it the it's okay kind of thing. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Reminiscence? Uh, I, me, personally, I was very disappointed in really? Reminiscence. Yeah, I uh, I don't think it's okay. I think it's quite not really that good. You know what I mean? And uh, Okay. Man, I'm just, I was just disappointed. Uh, I was disappointed. Multiple, multiple plot holes. Um, I felt like the movie didn't know what it wanted to be. Like yeah, well, it didn't I, know if it yeah, wanted to I be like a, a sci-fi movie, a, a noir, a noir movie, a Nolan a movie, uh, a romance. It was just all over the place. And I, I agree. And I, I and movies do that, but movies got to know that they're doing that. Be aware, like oh, I'm trying to be multiple things. And but it like I felt like the movie wasn't even aware that what the hell it was doing. The performance was great, but I, anyone yeah, can I was gonna predict, say Hugh Jackman did the damn thing. And, and anybody can predict that though. Because they're they're all great actors. Andy Newton did the damn yeah, thing yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, they're all great actors. They, Rebecca they, Ferguson, you know, yeah, for sure. And I, I really liked Rebecca Ferguson in the movie. And uh, but I was just disappointed, man. I felt lackluster um, pacing, uh, lackluster storytelling, uh, and, and the direction. Like I felt like this was a first time director. Like <laughs> I, I really did. Like I, I felt like watching the movie, the the director didn't know what they were doing, or it felt like 
you know what it felt like? Maybe it was too much cooks in the kitchen because she is a first-time director, and this is a big-budget movie for a first-time director. And a lot of times when these movies be big budgets and first-time directors, they kind of the studio kind of more harder on you than if you was already got some experience and then you knew what you was doing. And I found out it was the director of Westworld uh, or like one of the writers of Westworld. I didn't even know that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she uh, she directed a couple of episodes of Westworld. She kind of yeah. cut her teeth there on sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, on which, sci-fi. Uh, so uh, in theory, it seemed like it would have worked well. But yeah, man, the, the movie, the movie, I never watch it again. I'll say that. But <laughs> it, it wasn't the, it wasn't a blasphemous piece of mess. But it wasn't good. See, that's the thing. I actually liked the movie. Like I gave it the all right because um, for me, I was latching on to the noir aspect yeah uh because like there aren't many noir movies made these days yeah and and, like for me like i guess because i was so starving for a good noir you know piece of fiction that it just sort of i sort of latched onto that part and i was riveted throughout the reveals um and how it was just a slow burn also uh for me like i was just like enthralled by like the trance like state that i was when i was watching the movie like like specifically i gave a shout out to hugh jackman and his narrations like I'm going to take you on a journey. It's like very ASMR-ish and that kind of thing. And you sort of just sort of believe it. And like, it just, it has an interesting, um, you know, for me, I was sort of like focusing on like the themes and uh, about nostalgia and how like we're in this kind of culture where we're very into nostalgia Mm. right now. And so it sort of harkens to that thing of just like living in the past. So for me, maybe I'm giving the movie more credit than it's due. Yeah. But I I do. Well, see, because like all the points you made is how I was feeling about the trailer. So like (laughs) me, no, to be real, like because because like a lot of the points you pointed to was the idea of the movie. Yes. But it's like the movie has to execute that. Right, yeah, you know I, what I'm I, saying. Yeah. So I agree with everything you said, and like, like, and I was serious. Like the trailer gave me those vibes that, like, because you hear the voiceover in the trailer, and you hear like that new war. They have that new war feel, and the way you kind of the the idea of going back in your memories and reliving your yeah. like like all that shit was in the trailer. I remember that's why I was like I love the trailer. Remember when it yeah. debuted and you was kind of like ah oh, yeah. trailer. I, I was like fuck I love the trailer. So <laughs> everything you mentioned that's how I felt. But when I watched the movie, it didn't do well at executing those promises that the trailer did. It was yeah. just a bit all over the place. But give like a next a better more well rounded crafted film crafted yes, craftsmanship could have done yeah, a right. That's the that's the perfect word. And and I mean I agree with you because I, I don't think it's a, a piece of garbage. I don't. I just don't think it's a good movie. But I, I can understand someone from the range of okay to bad. Like, that's where I kind of leave from. Yeah, okay to bad. It's I not mean, a hot mess. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, so. But I will say, but you know what was a hot mess was the box office. It, oh, yeah. it made It opened to number nine yeah, that, last week with like $2 million. That that got to be the worst box office, one of the at least top 10 worst box offices ever. Cause that, I mean, but that didn't surprise nobody because like you Damn. were saying, it wasn't. No, because like you were saying, there was no buzz for the movie. Yeah, like, there was, like yeah. even me, I, I was excited about the movie and then when it was on the what's her name uh, for the pick of the week I was like oh shit it's this week like I didn't even know so yeah that didn't surprise me that it bombed between like that and Luca it's really hard it's really hard for us to like have a movie sneak up on us. Yeah, yeah, like, real like, talk. Well, yeah. yeah, for it to sneak up. That's how you know they didn't have... Uh, and it snuck up on us, and uh, I anticipated it. It's not like it just snuck <laughs> up. Like, I'm ready for it. Like, damn, when is shit coming out? It was still snuck up, so yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll go ahead and move on to the news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. So, we had another slow news week. Uh, two slow news weeks back-to-back, but... 
Uh, we're going to make up for that with like a very like meaty, very in-depth discussion for topic of the show. So let's just sort of fly through this one real quick here. Uh, the first thing up is a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. It shatters the Avengers Endgame record, uh, viewership record uh, for the first 24 hours. So basically, uh, despite this says here on the Variety article, despite leaking on online a day earlier, the teaser trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home has set a new all-time record for the most global views in the first 24 hours with 355.5 million views. God damn. That far surpasses the previous record held by the trailer for Avengers Endgame, which picked up 289 million views when it debuted in December 2018. According to Sony Pictures, the No Way Home trailer also earned the most ever mentions on social media of any movie preview over the first 24 hours, with 4.5 million mentions worldwide. Domestically, the No Way Home drew 2.91 million mentions over 24 hours, nearly doubling the 1.94 million mentions for the same period of the Endgame trailer. So people were buzzing about it on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. Hey, so, yeah, um, I'm going to go ahead and stop the article there. So I wanted to ask you, number one, like, there was like, uh, I saw this uh, headline on John Campia. Uh, it was saying, like, does the does the uh, No Way Home trailer views uh, mean that Sony's going to keep Spider-Man in the MCU or not? Oh, uh, man, that's tough. That That's tough to say. I, I honestly don't know the answer because I don't know how how they looking at it in terms of how it benefits. Like, dude, are they looking at it like are oh, we are we smashing Endgame's record because we're part of the MCU, but, but, right? Or because or, we're Spider Man? Or because we're, exactly, and yeah. um, and so I and I don't know. You know I what think I mean? it's because of the MCU because Doctor Strange made that shit like take but it see, to the next level. But I'm not gonna lie, I don't think so. I think the the hype of this movie is from the multiversal. The because thing, it's, it's because Doctor Strange is putting that spell. No, in. It, but it is Doctor Strange that's doing it. Yeah. But he's not the the plot of the. I mean, he was part of the plot. Yeah. But the the gimmick of another universe crossing over is the at the end of the day is what. So like, it, for instance, when someone watches the trailer, they freak the fuck out when you see the that pumpkin bomb yeah. from Green Goblin, and you see Doc Ock and his arm. Yeah, yeah. That's when people go, "Oh my god!" It's yeah. that element of it from their own Sony Spider-Man yeah. universes, that is what really is what got people interested in this movie on the level that it, that it is. Because listen, this movie right now is receiving just as much hype or more hype than I've ever seen from a, a comic book movie It's ever. the Avengers Endgame of Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man, Spider you're right. Exactly. It's Spider-Verse like, Endgame. <laughs> I've never seen this about a hype as much as this Spider-Man. Like, I'm talking, we, I'm, I mean, it was trending everywhere. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I think... I think it's not just trending because it's the third Spider-Man movie in the franchise. It's trending because this is the first movie in history that's going to cross over multiple universes in one movie. You know, you know what what's kind of funny is to give uh, to give you a little rebuttal to that. The fuck, I mean, forget like DC's uh, uh, Arrowverse with the whole Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, that trash shit. We ain't counting that. We're not counting that. You know, but they did have Flash crossover with Flash. Flash, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know that. And yeah. Smallville and all and this Smallville, other stuff. Smallville, yeah. yeah. That shit, I don't count that. Uh, other than that, though, if, even if we discount that, the fact of the matter is when DC first, uh, Kevin Sujahara like was 
uh, announcing the film slate for like we're gonna make a Green Arrow, Green Arrow, uh, ah, Green Flash. Lantern, a Flash, yeah. a Cyborg movie. Yeah. Like remember when he first like uh, did yeah. like a slate of yeah. films? Yeah. yeah, that original slate of films is uh, included the upcoming Flash movie. Flashpoint, uh, the Flash Paradox. Point, yeah, that was supposed to come out years ago yep. in the original, yep. the yep. original timeline. Of, yeah. Of releases, so they had the and idea first. Yeah. So like that means they would have had that. Yeah, because I'm not gonna lie. Like if Flash had this, because see, this is the thing. Anytime something is the first at something, yeah, that's when the hype is biggest. So that's why this Spider-Man movie is so hype because it's like for the first time we're seeing in a big blockbuster movie two different Spider verses like together. Yeah. That's like into the Spider Verse, but like yeah, live action, live yeah. action. Yeah. So, so that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, like Flash would have beat that to it, it sucks that Marvel's beating them to the punch. Yeah, they are where... because they because really Flash. Is doing the exact same thing this movie's doing because you got Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton in yeah. that, yeah. But they got beat to the punch, so but yeah, man, that's true. But I don't know, I don't know. I hope they stay in the universe, I hope they could do another deal and stay in the universe. But I honestly have a good feeling that Sony's not gonna want to do it, and that's why they're low key setting up their own like universe Venom on the side and, with and Venom. Morbius. yeah. I, and I think what they're gonna do after this, they're gonna say, okay. Uh, I don't need y'all no more Marvel. This two of our movies that's gonna like well, cause remember Far From Home made a billion. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I don't know what the pandemic, but this is a billion dollar movie. I don't know with the pandemic if it's gonna do a billion, but if this was regular day era, two billion. this would do two bill. You know what I'm saying? Easily. So Hell, at I, least a billion and a half. Yeah, real talk. So I think you know they feel like okay, we don't need you no more Marvel because th listen to be real, the only reason this deal ever got done where Spider Man was into the Spider uh, into the Marvel Universe is because they had uh, the the failure of Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. And they like, oh shit, if we reboot this, it's gonna look uh, it's gonna look bad. So if we gotta we gotta make it a reason we're rebooting it. So, hey Marvel, can we do a deal? And that's what it. But now that they feel like, alright, we don't need y'all no more. I think they're gonna say, okay, we got our own shit. We got Venom. We got Craven. The, I mean, yeah, Craven the Hunter. Hunter and Morbius. we got Morbius. We got let's the Sinister Six. Sinister Six. Let's just do our, let's just keep our, you know, and I, I hope that's not the case. And that would be some ho shit if that was scary. Actually, no, I take that back. That will, yes, that would be some ho shit. But number two, we've uh, Sony has already shown their hand because two years ago they did try to pull Spider Man out of the MCU. Yeah, already. they did. Yeah, they did. So the only reason why, they basically they sort of kicked the bucket on that one because they only extended it for like one more movie. One more movie, and that was this movie. No, actually, no one more movie after this. No, that was this was the movie because I remember they did this movie right here. They did a five movie deal. I thought it was a six movie deal. I thought it was. I thought it was three Spider Man movies and three Marvel movies, and now uh -uh. it's four nah, and three. Nah, this was the, the see. That's what that's what I thought too, and that's what would have been fucked up because, and I think that's why they was uh, they agreed to do this deal because they would have had for their third movie they wouldn't have been able to have Marvel in it. So I think that's the only reason they did this deal. I think like you just saying, they wanted to leave the universe already, but that's like okay, we got to finish our trilogy off in the Marvel universe. So you're telling me that if they if Sony had it their way happy hogan wouldn't be in this movie no nah. yeah because <laughs> yeah because yeah, he was yeah. a big character yeah, in like the other two movies right exactly yeah so and I he's think, a moral character he's an mcu uh, character. mcu character yeah, yeah. so I, I honestly think uh that's the only reason why they did the deal like they was like all right so that way we get happy back and we could get another marvel character like Dr. Strange, and yeah. let's use him to make this multiple universe thing and then after that now they're like all right now that we got our trilogy out the way fuck y'all we out you know what i'm saying <laughs> i think that's what they're gonna do i hope i pray i'm wrong because i'm 
I'm not gonna lie. Sony ain't to me. They the worst in the business at making superhero movies. So that's just <laughs> me. So. All right, we'll go ahead and, and keep it moving here. That's uh, that's some crazy shit there. I didn't. I, I don't. That's a little hard to believe. All right, so for the next uh, bit of news here, I actually don't have actually any particular news story that I wanted to cover. Um, it's more of like a, a hodgepodge of news coming out of a week along convention. So in case you didn't know, CinemaCon was happening uh, last week uh, in Las Vegas, and it's like an industry event where like. The the movie in the movie theater companies like NATO and press like actual like industry insiders all gather around for a, like a convention and it's behind closed doors. There's a lot of trailers and stuff that are like revealed at CinemaCon yeah. that are not publicly seen, Sound, yeah. and so we don't get to see any of these things. They uh, but you, we can see like reporters and YouTubers that are like movie movie people that are like big names. Uh, less such as like a John Campion, like I mentioned before, they get to go to these things and then report back to us, like the us layman people, to uh, you know just give their thoughts on it. Yeah. And so I don't really have like I I wasn't really following CinemaCon like in particular simply because it does seem very boring and dry at times. It's an industry event and there's like a lot of like interviews and a lot of behind the scenes stuff and there isn't it's not like a show for like the 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 general popular uh yeah general population such as a, a comic con yeah i mean i think the big difference is we don't get to see the shit yeah like if we got to see it it'll be just as fun as everything because they show you uh exclusive footage trailers yeah. uh all kind of Sneak shit Somet sometimes they show you a whole movie like it'd be all kind of shit but like for us that's on the other end of the spectrum it's like we just get to hear other people talking about how fun they had. It's like, fuck that, man. I want to see the shit myself. Shit. Exactly, exactly. So that's why I just sort of pulled up three random articles from Variety that sort of talks about uh, CinemaCon. And it's not like um, anything that, I, again, it's hard to get hype secondhand from something else. Right, you know what I mean? right, right. So we're going to have to just go off of that, what their reporting is. So the first one I have pulled up here is uh, Jeff Goldblum and uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern are going to be reuniting in Jurassic World Dominion. And there's some um, CinemaCon footage that they showed that, again, we don't get to see. But basically, they're explaining that the original cast of the first Jurassic Park, uh, they're the, uh, Laura Dern is Dr. Ellie Sattler, Sam Neill as Alan Grant, and Jeff Gold Goldblum as Ian Malcolm are you know reuniting, and they're going to be joining the franchise uh, back with uh, Chris Pratt and da um, Bryce Dallas Howard for the third installment of the Colin Trevor, uh, Trevorrow uh, run of films. So, yeah, the, it talks about the footage. It's like you got a, you got an unseen home movie reel with uh, with Steven Spielberg, and there's a lot of grainy film stuff, and they're talking about the props during the making of the very first Jurassic Park. So, again, it's like very like behind-the-scenes stuff. It's nothing like – it's not like a trailer and stuff like that. Yeah. But they showed uh, completed scenes that featured the original characters. Uh, the actors appeared in interviews and discussed the film – does they discuss returning after nearly 30 years um, of the first film captivating global audiences? Uh, fans might be happy to know that uh, Dern's now famous wardrobe color palette of pink and khaki gets a sophisticated update. And so Pride and Howard were also seen in glimpses running once again from the prehistoric creatures. So again, just nothing – that's not a whole lot to go off of, but – this is like confirmation, at least. This is my first time hearing that the original class is going to be in Jurassic World 3, yeah, or, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. But uh, 
Troy, I know it's kind of dry here, like in this uh, for this little article here, but does this does this do anything for you? I mean, no, I don't do nothing for me at all because I'm really not excited about the movie. But damn, but I will say, like, I like how they bringing people from the original because I, I felt like the reason why I don't really like the the whole since it become the world Jurassic world, world the new kind of era of yeah. it I felt like it got away from the how Jurassic Park was it was almost something magical about Jurassic Park and now it just became a typical monster <laughs> shit but bringing them back it's almost like how Fast and Furious was when they brought back everybody from yeah. the saga and it kind of all blended together so like I like how we seeing Laura Dern come back and all that and I just if the movie good then i think it'll be fantastic what's really interesting is like jurassic world is like one of like the most highest grossing movies of all time of like all it's time. up there yeah um but it's like i like how it doesn't have that kind of hype inducing thing but i will say i wish that they got the original two kid actors uh back as well that would have yeah, been cool. as adults as now. adults yeah. yeah yeah uh especially because like uh one of them is still acting i forgot uh joseph mazeo like, oh yeah 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 uh yeah. he was in like well, okay, I guess he's not acting per se, but the last thing I can remember that he was in was The Social Network with Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he's still, he's, I mean, yeah. that's a long time ago, but still, like, you know, he's done been in something. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. And the next one up is Bullet Train. It, um, It's a, they showed a scene with Brad Pitt versus Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny in the movie. Yes. What the fuck. Yes. I bad uh, Brad Pitt, Bad Bunny slap each other around in the sleek first look at Bullet Train. Like, what kind of pairing is this? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bullet Train went off with a bang at CinemaCon in Las Vegas on Monday. The first ever footage from Brad Pitt's action thriller was screened at the annual convention of movie theater owners during an opening night presentation from Sony Pictures, uh, directed by Atomic Blonde Helmer David Leach. David Litch. I'm going to go with that one. David Leach. David Leach. Okay. The movie follows five assassins on a high-speed train who realize their assigned targets are related. Mm. The footage boasts the aesthetic we've come to expect from Leach's high-contrast glamour with bare-knuckled violence. Anyone thinking that uh, this was uh, Pitt's attempt to slip into a Tom Ford suit and brandish a gun like a typical leading man, rest easy. His character, listed only as Ladybug, is a drifter rocking hiking boots and a faded twe uh, tweed coat on Leach's gorgeous and claustrophobic train. While the ensemble boasts stars like Sandra Bullock, the studio chose to bless the exhibitors with a clip of Pitt and global, global hip-hop star Bad Bunny. And... <laughs> It almost sounds funny <laughs> as you read it. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? In his first substantial, uh, substantive feature film role, the artist, also known as Benito Antonio Martinez Ocasio, is a formidable opponent for Pitt, sporting a white pinstripe suit, killer boots, and an edge weapon. Uh, let's see. Ba uh, Bunny and Pitt slap each other around a luxury cabin on the speeding train. It's all fun and tussling over a brief briefcase until someone gets stabbed. The footage also includes actor Hiroyuki Sanada. Ooh! Hey, that's <laughs> as, dope. That's as an dope. ominous passenger. Additional cast includes Joey King, Andrew Koji, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Zazie Beetz, Michael Shannon, and Logan Lerman. That's a I like that cast. cast. Yeah, that cast good. is dumb. So the project is based on a book, Maria Beetle, uh, Bullet Train. Okay, yeah. So that's the that's the article here. So again, we don't get to see any of this shit, man. God damn, I want to see a Brad Pitt Bad Bunny fight. <laughs> Even as ridiculous as it is, I would have cool yeah, if they yeah. showed it to us on YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. But 
But uh, obviously, I have the the profile pictures on Variety. It's like on screen, and it just seems so weird seeing them next to each other. By the way, yeah, it's funny. All but right. I mean, it's it's smart though. It's smart. Like it it, it just seems like marketing in itself. Like <laughs> Brad Pitt, Bad Bunny fighting. Boom! I'm going to see it. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's almost like it, it's a very smart. You know what I'm saying? That the movie. I don't know. Like I don't actually don't think this movie sounds terrible. Like I think it sounds like a like a fun action movie, you know what I mean? And uh, the fact they got Brad Pitt made me feel like yeah. something about it that's good, you know yeah. what I mean? So, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm jumping up and down excited for it, but it seems like... Right, you know? That would be so fucked up if, like, Bad Bunny is, like, a one-scene cameo. Well, I think is, that's what he's going to be. I, I honestly think Bad Bunny's going to... They're I not going to offer him, like, a... A role role. I think he's going to show up to have a badass fight. And then I think that's where, you know, he probably gets killed by Brad Pitt or something. I think that's how it's going to be, you know what I mean? So, but, like, again, in itself, that's smart because you still can market the fuck out there, have him in the trailers, all kind of (laughs) shit. And he just there for that one badass scene. And and he makes a song for the soundtrack. Yeah, he do a soundtrack (laughs) song, all kind of shit, yeah. So, I don't know. That's what I think. But, I mean, listen, I I, I love CinemaCon, especially this year because it's about the cinemas, you know? And uh, one of the things I'm hearing about CinemaCon is that a lot of these studios are telling people, look, we're all about the theaters and da-da-da. They're letting people know that, like, they're not, like, just giving up on theaters right now because of the shit. Like, they're not like, oh, all other stuff is going to go to streaming. And, uh, you know, Warner Brothers the only ones because they already did that goofy deal that, you know, where that shit is going to HBO Max. They're the only ones that can't just come out and say that we're all about the theaters because they already did that. But everyone else from, like, Sony and stuff, I'm hearing that they're like, look, we're about the theater experience. So that's, that's the, to me, that's the biggest news out of CinemaCon. Out of all the shit I've, you know, I've heard about, that's what I love. And the final bit of CinemaCon uh, roundup here that I was able to pull up is uh, the WB, uh, Warner Brothers, they revealed some new footage for The Matrix 4 and The Batman, uh, the Robert Pattinson Batman movie at CinemaCon. It's too bad we can't see it. Come on, man. Y'all show that shit. Y'all tripping. They need to promote the Batman anyway. (laughs) Shit, bro. Like, fuck, fuck Matrix. I don't give a damn about that, but show some Batman footage, bro. Like, they could have dropped it on YouTube because I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Spider-Man trailer was revealed at, at CinemaCon. Why yeah. didn't they just... And then they dropped it after. Yeah. Do the same shit. Exactly. So, yeah, we talked about the, how it leaked and then they were going to play at a CinemaCon and then, like, what is it, an hour later they was uh, officially... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that might be... I mean, I'm glad that happened because that's probably the might have been reason why we got the trailer because who knows? They might have not even wanted to release the trailer now, but since it leaked online anyway, it's like, all right, damn, now we got her. You know what I'm saying? So who knows? Uh, so taking a low-key approach, Warner Brothers presented new footage on Tuesday for its theatrical slate over the next seven months at the uh, exhibitors Confab. I don't know what that means. Confab, CinemaCon, and Las Vegas. Uh, the studio's real shows at the showroom at Caesars Palace included new footage of the Batman starring Robert Pattinson and the opening sequence for The Many Saints of New York, and that is a prequel to The Sopranos. So it's kind of like the first few minutes, like kind of like what they did with the Dark Knight, with the Joker scene, mm-hmm. stuff like that. They actually yeah. showed the actual opening few I minutes. I like that. I like that. A glimpse at the first trailer for The Matrix 4, which was also revealed, um, they actually revealed its title. It's called The Matrix Resurrections, which I thought it was already known that it was called The Matrix Resurrections. I don't know. I just remember I was being Matrix 4. I didn't even know. Okay, so well, there you go. Now we officially know it's, it's called The Matrix Resurrections. And it's also got a Clint Eastwood Neo... Uh, it also featured Clint Eastwood's neo-Western drama, Cry Macho. The presentation was a mini homage to Eastwood's career with the praise via rec- recorded comments by Steven Spielberg, Meryl Streep, and other cinema luminaries. 
The tributes were mixed with Crime Machu's movie clips. Uh, beyond the near the, uh, beyond the near term theatrical slate, Warner Brothers teased that five movie adaptations of its DC Comics properties are expected down the road. The hour-long presentation was mostly a video presentation anchored by uh, Warner Domestic Theatrical Distribution Chief Jeff Goldstein and international distribution counterpart Andrew Cripps on camera. In an unusual bit of staging, a Midwest exhibitor made an in-person introduction, Rolando Rodriguez, who is the chairman of the uh, National Association of Theater Owners, or NATO, that, spon- that sponsored CinemaCon. So, yeah, uh, I just, I guess... That's pretty much it for as far as the article goes. We don't really get to know a lot of these things. We just basically, it sucks. It sucks that we don't get to see. We just yeah. sort of like, oh yeah, we they, gotta just, hear about they it. just did this, but we yeah. don't even, this article doesn't even tell you what the what the footage is. Like, what happened in the footage? Can you at least give me something to God, nibble at? Damn, like, please, sir, may I have another? Yeah, real talk. <laughs> this make me just don't even want to hear this shit. That make me want, to, want it even more. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of this article is going about like CinemaCon and... How many people are there? And I can't the even pandemic. cap. Though. I can't cap though. I gotta see something from Matrix for me to even get remotely excited about Damn. Matrix. Yeah, because I'm just excited. I'm excited only on the name. I, I'm not <laughs> excited at all with Matrix because the first Matrix is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life, and then they just ruined it with the second two Matrixes. So it's like to me that that franchise is tainted already. So unless they could do something to kind of erase how you feel about two and three. Oh no! Yeah, it's interesting. Like I actually never watched the Matrix one in theaters. I watched it like out of VHS for the first time, and then two years ago, three years ago, it was like the Matrix anniversary, and they had like a special like IMAX oh, premiere screening, for screening it. of oh, it, and yeah. I got to experience it in theaters. And holy shit, yeah, it was amazing. an experience. Yeah, it's amazing. It was an like the sound and like the big picture and yeah, like the, the like, visual the visuals. Oh yeah, yeah, man, it still holds up. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's. That's pretty much CinemaCon uh, in a nutshell. It's a lot of industry talking and a lot, not a whole lot like for us consumers and public people to, to like, you know, yeah, to dive deep on it. it. Yeah. There was more, uh, there was more stuff that was talked about. Every, every studio from like Universal to Sony, like every studio had a presentation. I didn't go over every one of them, obviously, but like there's not a whole lot that we know publicly. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for CinemaCon and that's pretty much it for the news. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to the extra news. We have 12 items on the list. Now, before we go into the, the news, I get most of the news from Variety. And it was such a slow news week that I had to go to different sections of Variety that I've never gone to before. And mainly the TV section. So there's a lot of TV news. And I'm glad I went to the TV news section because I found out about a uh, headline that I'm super excited for on the TV side of things. Uh, now, number one. Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke will co-star as half-brothers in a film called Raymond and Ray for Apple Studios. Number two, Dave Franco to direct Alison Brie and Jay Ellis in Amazon's romantic comedy, Somebody I Used to Know. Dave Franco, the one that, uh, with the controversy? Uh, James Franco is the oh, other brother. Oh, James Franco. Okay, okay. Some, I knew someone. <laughs> Dave Franco is actually married to Alison Brie, by the way, so that's interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, also, uh, by, just like just just want to say the first two news that I just read here are streaming platform like Apple yeah. and Amazon. Yeah. So it's interesting that like you know there's like unlike the theatrical stuff is sort of like losing pa- losing share. I guess mind share. Hell no, I'm good. <laughs> just because you read two uh, uh, things that got something to do with streaming, no, nah, I mean I just you know mean. what I'm trying to say as far as like what's the percentage? Yeah, but whatever. Anyways, number three, Jungle Cruise sequels in the works at Disney. 
Number four, a live action prequel for The Lion King is in the work in the works. And Kelvin Harrison and Aaron Pierre have been cast and with both of them playing Scar and Mufasa respectively. So apparently I said Scar slash Taka in this uh, headline. Taka apparently is Scar's canonical name. And I did not know that. Me either. So uh, Kelvin Harrison is, is Scar slash Taka and Aaron Pierre is Mufasa. So number five. 50 Cent, Megan Fox, and Tony Jaa are joining the cast of Expendables 4 with Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Dolph Lundgren, and Randy Couture confirmed to return. Number six, the Old Guard sequel has found its director, Victoria Mahoney. Number seven, all of the Harry Potter films are returning to HBO Max on September 1st after a short stint on Peacock. Number eight, Netflix picks up Manifest for a fourth and final season. Yeah, that's the kind of shit that I was talking about right there. I was like, that was <laughs> like, was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm glad I went to the TV section of Variety because uh, I was talking about how, like, man, Manifest ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Cobra Kai is renewed for season five ahead of its season four premiere. That's crazy. They haven't even premiered episode uh, season four yet, and they're already renewed. Yeah. Uh, number ten. Dave Bautista on working with Jason Momoa during C season two, quote, we just Joe. Number 11, Ed Asner, who has over 400 acting credits to his name, including the Mary Tyler, the Mary Tyler Moore show, Lou Grant and Pixar's up has passed away at the age of 91. And finally, number 12, the box office report. Candyman opened to number one at $22.3 million and marks the first time a black female director opened a, a film to number one. And Free Guy has another stronghold of only just 26% drop and finished at number two. So that is a lot of uh, news here. And what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, Harry Potter, um, it's cool that that's going to HBO Max because I've been recently wanting to rewatch all the Harry Potter movies because I was a kid like when the first ones came out and I don't really remember them too well. So I, I, that's something I can look forward to or whatever. So, yeah. Um, What's kind of interesting is like HBO Max like debuted last year in like May of 2020 yeah. and it debuted with like we got all the Harry Potter movies and then, and and then, then like it got on there. Yeah. taken off really quickly shortly thereafter. Yeah, they probably did some kind of deal with Peacock or something. They, yeah. They probably wanted it on there for promotion and then they had to, you know, do their Peacock deal or like honor their Peacock deal. So they probably had it on there just to look, we got it and then took that shit yeah. right off, you know. And so I remember like my family members were like, were rushing to watch the movies before it left. Left, right. Yeah. And so now it's coming I back. I remember they did that with some other shit too. I can't remember. I remember being frustrated. Like, why y'all put this on here just to take it off? But I can't remember <laughs> what the other one is. So yeah, I just kind of, I almost kind of wish like just, these streaming service would just, whenever it enters a streaming service, it never leaves. That would yeah. be like ideal. I don't think they'll ever do that though. Cause that's how you, it's almost like how McDonald's and all these different fast food stuff are how these exclusive shit that'll go away and come back. Like the Wendy spicy nuggets, they'll go away and be like, look what we have back. Well, or the, McRib. the McRib. <laughs> like, oh look, it's like they do it for marketing purposes, but yeah. So but yeah, that's all I really wanted to talk about. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised nothing caught your attention here. Uh my for me, like I was surprised by the Lion King. Like I knew okay, first off, the article goes on to say that the Lion King, the the Disney, like, you know, live action uh lion king movie like it said in this article i forgot where it said it but it basically said it made like a billion dollars i forgot okay right here it grossed more than like 1.6 billion dollars worldwide 
uh, overtaking Frozen to become the highest grossing animated film of all time. Interesting. I guess I guess they count it as an animated movie, so yeah, because it's all CGI and no humans. So. Yeah, that's true. But I always I always like they they tried to like make it real. Yeah, well, yeah, they try to make it look photorealistic yeah. and stuff. And also, like I would I don't necessarily think like you put like the Lion King CGI animated movie where next to Frozen, which is also a CGI animated movie, but yeah. it's not a you know yeah they're not comparable. No, I, feel, I feel you on that. But, uh, so yeah, like as far as the, um, that, that they were saying in the article that it made such billions of dollars, of course, they're going to want to go back to that well. So the fact that they are doing this uh, prequel thing where they're going into like the early days of Mufasa and Scar, whose apparently his name is Afritaka. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. yeah, it just seems really weird. And also, I, I prefer them to do like a Lion King one and a half like <laughs> they did with the cartoon. <laughs> How would have been cool with that shit, really? No, I, I would have been okay with them doing Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. You know, yeah, with, yeah, uh, with Simba's that, Pride. Yeah, instead. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that actually, you know what? They should have done that with, with uh, with what's his name? Mufasa, I mean, with, uh, fuck. Childish Gambino. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with Childish Gambino on yeah. there, yeah. And Beyonce. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, let me just climb that call. Anyways, um, so yeah, that's that's interesting that they didn't just like you know they have to recast whole brand new actors instead of just mm-hmm. bringing on the actors that they already have. Um, also, the other thing I wanted to talk about, I'm so hyped. Tony Jaa is ain't gonna be in this Inexpendables four. I don't know if you know who Tony Jaa is, mm-hmm. but he's basically like he he's done like action movies. He's kind of like on that level of uh, Don, Donnie Yen. <laughs> Oh, to okay, me. okay, okay. Like Tony Jaa has done a lot of action movies. He's done uh, a movie, a movie series called Ongbek, the Thai Warrior. Um, he's done. Um, he he was one of the villains in Furious Seven, and he fought Paul Walker in the in one of oh, like. Oh, I remember the, him. Dude. He was like really. Oh, yeah, he was like kung yeah, fu. Yeah, I remember that guy. And Paul oh, Walker he was cooking uh, Paul Walker's ass and stuff like yeah. that. But he had to lose because is he's he, a villain. Is he in? He's in it or not in this? Tony Jaa is going to be in Expendables Four. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, this article talks about like uh, Megan Fox. They got Megan Fox to sign on and 50 Cent. That's funny. Yeah, they got 50 Cent. That's shit. That's how you know this shit gonna be goofy. He got 50 ah, Cent. Ah, shit. 50 Cent and Sylvester still haven't worked together, by the way. They haven't never worked together? They have together? worked together. Uh, the Escape Plan with oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I yeah. forgot about that movie. So, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. It just seems... Uh, it seems like uh, this this casting news. I was kind of hoping there would be more returning cast members, like like Terry Crews and stuff like that, in this article. But they've only confirmed so many people so far. I hope Jet Li's in it. Ooh, a Jet Li versus Tony Jaa movie. Oh, damn! I I need that. That to be crazy. I need that. So, uh, but anyways, there's that. And uh, let's see. Yeah, I already gave my my uh, my props for for Manifest. I uh, I want to watch. Uh, and by the way, Manifest is blowing up the charts. Last week, uh, you weren't here for Netflix and Show, but uh, last week it entered the charts in the top ten because season three had dropped. Oh, okay. and so it's blowing up the Netflix charts even this week again. Okay. And uh, and yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. And finally, I just uh, well, actually no, not finally. Dave Bautista. I didn't even know that Dave Bautista and Jason Momoa shared the screen together because they were in a, a show supposedly, called. C- supposedly they get along. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently he was talking about in this article how he's like he's very introverted and very quiet and kind of calm and stuff. And Jason Momoa is very like energetic and very yeah, like yeah, like correct, charismatic, yeah, charismatic. And so they just sort of like work together, I guess, the opposite of the track kind of thing. So uh, it makes me want to it makes me want to watch uh, the show C because I didn't even know that uh, Dave Bautista was in it. So uh, and lastly, uh, the, uh, the Ed Asner, oh man, that's that sucks, man. He was like. R.I.P. to them. R.I.P. Man. man, like it just 
That, that I mean, first off, ninety-one years. That's like a, that's a hell of a run right yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. And for sure. and also like apparently I've been reading up about him and uh, a lot of people have nothing but nothing nothing but nice things to say. He was a very active person as far as like social political stuff and right like, yeah 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 um and apparently he was got he had a lawsuit going on because he was trying to sue for a better health care for the SAG uh actors guild. Oh man he was trying to do some real shit too so, before he went out. Oh. Yeah. And um and oh yeah and also by the way uh the Pixar uh the up is having a series the Disney Plus series oh, and he's shit. he's in it. So he's Oh the- shit damn that's crazy. So and lastly, uh, the box office here. I just got to say real quick, I have no interest in watching Candyman. Uh, I Damn. don't. I just. It's not to say that I don't like the movie. I just like. I have to watch the first Candyman before I watch this one. And I'm like, oh, you never seen the first Candyman? Oh, that's why. Yeah. You watch that first Candyman, you'll be a fan. I need to watch the first. Candyman. Someone's like it. Did you see it when it had came out? Yeah. Like you, the original it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So you was excited about yeah. it. So that's yeah. You got to do. Yeah, same. exactly. Uh, but so, shout out to the fact um, that. Ah, damn. Let me see. What was it? Do you know her it's name? It's the Did highest uh, uh, box office for a black woman opening weekend. So that's that's always good. That's good news. Yeah, I'm trying to remember her name. Like, do you remember her name? Nah. Uh, let me see if I can find. Uh, ah, damn it. Let me just. I'm going to try to find her name here. But uh, Candy Man, I am. There we go. Let's see here. I'm pulling it up here as we speak here. Ania DaCosta. That's her name. And it's written and produced by Jordan Peele. And uh, I'm surprised that, uh, what was that Oprah Winfrey movie, A Wrinkle in Time? Oh, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. that that, that was wasn't trash. Ava DuVernay. Yeah, I'm surprised that that wasn't like the first number one opening. Oh, well, I see that, but no, nah, that it movie wasn't. Was, it, it, wasn't. Was so, it was so trash, though. Like, that's it didn't the thing. beat the number one. Like, if it was good, it might have did that. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that it was so trash that I think like it probably stopped everybody from going to see it. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying I'm just surprised that there hasn't been a number one black female woman, yeah. director opening the box office. Yeah, I mean, it's not been a lot. That's why. It ain't been a lot of black women that even get opportunities in Hollywood. So, you know, it goes to show if a movie makes only $22 million and that's the highest grossing movie. <laughs> like, it goes to show that there's not a lot of black women. It's not a lot of women, period, directors in Hollywood as it should be, but black women is even sm- smaller than that. So let me ca- let me ask you this. Do you count this as a dub? Not just from the that that standpoint, but I mean, like, Relative to like the production budget, relative to expectations, is this like uh, on the high end? Do you think that this is a dub? Oh yeah, this is a win. This is this is definitely a win because it, it is a low budget movie, so it made money, and that's opening weekend. So anything else that it made is even a bonus. And then the fact that it's a success, a success in terms of critically, and the success in terms of a black woman having success. So all across the board, I think it's good. I mean, yeah. it's not doing hundreds of millions, but it don't need yeah. to. That's so. what I was trying to think. Like, uh, I think the uh, it's exclusive to theaters. So that's number one. Uh, and number two, it was like I think the people were tracking it to fifteen million. So it's it, it performed over expectations. Oh yeah. Uh, as far as the budget goes, it's twenty five million dollar budget. So it's about to it's gonna break even by it's the time already, next yeah. by the time next weekend's gonna happen. Uh, so yeah, I just I I I, would, I don't know what the expectations were on this movie. To tell you the truth, I really didn't really have this movie on my radar. Yeah. So I didn't know what to make of a twenty two million dollar finish. To tell yeah. you the truth. But yeah, that's it for the news here. So we're going to go ahead and move on to check this out. Check this out. So for check this out, I was actually, uh, they're not as, it's not a good trailer lineup as last week here. 
And uh, I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, last week was just like banger after banger. And this week is just sort of like it starts strong, but it ends weak. So the first thing's up. I'm, I'm going to show Troy the trailer for something called Doug Days, which is a Pixar animated shorts, which is about Doug the dog from the movie Up. Oh, that's him? Yeah. And so it's a, it's a, it's a short series. And uh, it's, I think it's like five episodes, I want to say. It's a series of shorts. And and it's got the actual original cast. So like this not a this not a movie. Mm-mm. Oh okay okay. It's a it's a short. It's like five minute uh, shorts and it's five uh, episodes. Okay. Yeah. And it's got the original cast of uh, of uh, the series uh, up of this yeah. movie up. And so Ed Asner included. So uh, it seems to be focusing on Doug the dog, and uh, that's all we need. That's all we know, and that's all we need to know. All I know is up was a masterpiece. So anything like it at least has that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, up these characters from that masterpiece up. So Yeah. So it's going to be, I think it's, a, I forgot, it said it here on like September, uh, dang, it doesn't say on here, but I, I want to say there was a, uh, I don't see the date here, it just says fall, but I want to say September 1st or something, I forgot, uh, but it doesn't, I wish this thing gave me a better, a better thing here, but. Basically, sometime next month in September, you should have all the episodes streaming out all at once, so. That's all we need to know. It looks entertaining. I'm I'm interested. The next up is the Kingsman. There's a red band trailer and a green band trailer. So there's they they released the same trailer twice. But I'm gonna show Troy the red band version. And I saw that I watched both trailers back to back. I can I, I know the differences. And one of the the differences on this on this scene right here is this guy tells uh, Ray Fiennes' character, "I only make decisions when uh, either my stomach is empty or my." No, when my stomach is full or my balls are empty. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> and he's like, well, it's a good thing we're about to, dinner's about to be served or whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? So, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I don't know how I feel about Kingsman. Um, I'm, I'm curious because this movie got hit. This is one of the movies that got hit with the pandemic. It got pushed back long ass time. So um, any excitement uh, that I did have, I kind of forgot about. Really. <laughs> yeah, so, because this movie was supposed to come out pre-pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Pre-pandemic, yeah. So who knows? But I, I don't know. I'm fifty-fifty excited because I loved the first one, didn't like the second uh, Kingsman. So, so like in the, uh, so that was the first one I said about the my balls are empty, or whatever. That was one of the differences in that was in the not in the Green Band trailer. Yeah. Also, not in the Green Band trailer is they digitally altered the shots to remove oh, the blood. The blood, yeah, yeah. So it's just like them are like just sleeping or whatever. And that's, that's it. it. That's petty. They could have had that in there. So there's a lot of differences and stuff like that. There's like there's like one time there's one shot where like there's a decapitated head later yeah. on in this Red Band trailer, and they, they took it out of the Green Band trailer. And certain characters that are getting shot, they show the shot in the Green Band trailer, but they don't show the effects of the oh, shot. Yeah, yeah. They just uh, kinda... they just kind of cut away. Oh right? yeah. yeah. Uh, they cut away real quick, but th- I'm going to tell you this right now. This Red Band trailer made me hype for this movie. I watched oh, okay. it, and I'm like, damn, this movie looks clean. This movie looks fire. Like, <laughs> there's yeah. like a gun and a sword and everything like that. Like, yeah. this movie is actually, right here, decapitated head right there. Like, bam! Like, yeah. they don't show it in the in the, uh, in the regular in the regular version. Yeah. But So, yeah, like, this movie looks all kinds of, like, the action looks very, like, I don't know, like, very kinetic. Mm-hmm. Is the way I can explain it, but like, like this looks cool yeah, as fuck. It looks nice, but I just feel like all we seeing is action. <laughs> that, that the, that's what I'm worried. That's what I'm usually worried about a movie. Like, I don't need to see actions in trailers. Like, I need to see more. Like, I don't mind seeing action, but I need to see more character and story 
and the action be a bonus. But if I'm saying mostly action, then it might not be that good because it's like that's all they focus on. So who gonna, who knows? It might I, be I, 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 I'm going to tell you this right now. I am... I'm a bitch. I will fall for that marketing shit like every time. Show me cool shit and I'll be like, ooh, shiny. So I'll I'll out myself on that one right there. So next up is something called Intrusion. And it is a, let's see, let me read this thing here. It stars Frida Pinto and Logan Marshall Green. It comes on on September 22nd. And the synopsis reads, a woman moves into a... A woman moves to a small town with her husband, but is rattled when she is targeted for a home invasion. It's a Netflix movie. It's coming out in September. This, uh, okay, first off, Frida Pinto, she hasn't, I haven't seen her in a minute. Like, she's, the only thing I know I know her for is, like, Slumdog Millionaire and Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the James yep, Franco one. Yep, and then yep. after that, she just sort of fell off. So I'm glad that she's still working. Um, but yeah, this... Um, it's a Netflix movie. I'm, it's not interested. <laughs> I'm not interested. I'm be real. Netflix, when they step y'all game up, then I'll start being excited for y'all movies again. Oh, well, at least it's a good cast. I will say that. Yeah. But it, it does look low budget, I will say. It looks very low budget. <laughs> and most of it takes place in a house, and uh, there's not a whole lot of suspense. I mean, there is a, it's a suspense movie, but this trailer doesn't, doesn't do a good job of building up suspense, yeah. I will say. But yeah, uh, I'll probably check it out. I mean, especially if it's going to be on Netflix. Next up is Spencer, which is a, uh, let's see here. Oh, God, I can't, oh. It stars uh, Kristen Stewart, and she is playing Princess Diana, and it's like a a biopic, and it's uh, coming out on November 5th, and it says in 1991, while spending the Christmas holiday with the royal family at Sandringham House, Princess Diana decides to leave Prince Charles. By the way, I just got to say this right now. She, Kristen Stewart looks like Princess Diana, like yeah, straight up. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I was surprised, like how yeah, she just get, made her she got that look. Yeah, I can't wait for this because Kristen Stewart is a world class actress. Like a lot of people don't know because she did started off in uh, Twilight. Twilight, and she, and she, or, no. Well, before that, as a child actress, but whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but like she mostly At her big known, break. Yeah. yeah. But no, she's world class. Like she's been in a lot of great shit since then. It's crazy because her and fucking Robert Pattinson kind of started off in these bad movies, but they both like carved out their own way. Carved out their own like way, and now they're in great movies and they're great actors. And I'm excited for it. I feel bad for Taylor Lautner. <laughs> he didn't have he, a, he, he wanted to star in them pretty boy movies. Yeah, so shit. That's why his he hasn't had a career. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't had a career like that on that level. You know. That sucks, actually. No, I, I, but whatever. Anyways, but yeah, as far as like this movie, uh, this it's a teaser trailer, and it's like a lot of music. There's like two words of dialogue in this whole China trailer, and like the trailer is just a, like a mood, yeah. I will say. So, yeah, I wonder why that's called Spencer, by the way. I don't even know. Next up is also another moody trailer. It's called <sighs> the Power of the, the Power of the Dog. It's a Netflix movie, I believe. Yes, it's a Netflix movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst. Mary, the original Mary Jane, by the way. Uh, also, it has uh, who else in it? Jesse Plemons and uh, damn, what's that child actor's name? Uh, the kid from uh, Let Me In. Uh, I can't remember his name, uh, but, but he's he's all grown up now. He's an adult now. And uh, but anyway, so yeah. Who did I say director is? Let me see. Uh, I just said it. Go back a little bit. Let's see here. Uh, written and directed by Jane Campion. Uh, Don't know who I she is. I thought it said James Cameron. I'm like, damn, they covering up the name and shit. It start it stars uh, it starts uh, streaming on December first, and the synopsis reads: Two brothers and a co-owner of a Montana ranch duel after one of them gets married. So it's a western movie. So, yeah. 
Uh, and it says, right, it's going to say his name, Jesse Plemons. And let me see. Come on. Give me that name. Give me that last name. Oh, yeah. Cody Smith McPhee. Yeah. So Cody Smith McPhee, he was a child actor. He was in uh, Let Me In. Uh, and he was also, damn, uh, the, the the road the with uh, the one where like they're an apocalyptic with uh, Viggo Mortensen. I forgot the name of that. Uh, I think it's called The Road. Yeah, I um, think that's the name. And um, and then also he just sort of kind of grew up on me like sneakingly because he was covered in makeup a lot in like movies like called Alpha where he was like in like oh, his yeah, thing. Yeah. He was a Nightcrawler in the X Men. Oh movies. yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, so yeah, like he just sort of snuck up on me, but he's like seeing him as like a, as a tall adult just seems weird because I I just remember when he was like a little kid, and uh, yeah, a, a Western movie made on made by Netflix. I mean. Hey, Netflix's record is a little shoddy, yes, but you know what? Uh, Western movies don't come out these days. Every now and then they have a good movie, so yeah. Uh, and by the way, it's I mean it's got Benedict Cumberbatch. That's all we. That's all you need to know. Next up is something called Mayday. Damn, that's a lot of trailers out. <laughs> Mayday is. Uh, I don't actually. I'm not going to st- spend too much on this one. Uh, October first, and it doesn't start anyone that I know. Uh, and the synopsis reads, a hotel worker finds herself trapped, uh, transported to another world where war, war is raging and a clutch and a clutch of a young woman lure men to their deaths at sea via radio transmission. She soon realizes she's not the killer they want her to be. So, yeah, basically, they're like on a radio and they're sort of luring guys into a trap. Who's, who's, the, who's making this one? Warner Brothers? Uh, I don't know, to tell you the truth. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it didn't. I think it said at the beginning. um Nope, I don't. I don't have anything here. Uh, just says Magnolia Pictures on here. Okay. But yeah, nothing. I don't. I just, this trailer did nothing for me. I watched yeah, the trailer. And it's boring as fuck. And it's about women that are just like assassins, and one of them has like a conscience, and she's yeah. like wanting to get out of the game. Yeah, it's ain't boring as fuck. <laughs> they're practicing sniping. Look at this, by the way. Let me show you the scene real quick. So they're on a sniper. They're out on top of a hill. And they're actually sniping like real live live ammunition, and so she show her. They show her like looking through a scope. Where's that? What scene is it? Right here. Oh. They're looking through a scope, and so she shoots, and then there's actually being held by a real person underneath. That is dangerous as fuck. God damn. So yeah, last trailer up is uh, the Starlink, which again I don't want to spend too much time on this one either because this trailer, because I'm like whatever. It stars. Uh, Melissa McCarthy uh, and Chris O'Dowd. Nah, this movie is gonna be terrible. Melissa McCarthy has she ever been in a good movie like ever once? Bridesmaids. Oh damn. Okay, other than Bridesmaids, <laughs> like she's never like Melissa McCarthy has is one of the worst. Like, and I'm not even talking. about She's overrated. No, I'm not talking about her humor. I'm talking about her movies. They're they terrible. Like. Even the last one she did with uh, what's that like? They was the superheroes. Or oh, some that shit. that was I don't even remember the name of the movie, but it was a terrible movie. Jesus it was a Netflix movie though. Yeah, but, yeah, but all her movies, bro. All like, right, let me. I, I've never seen a good movie from her. Melissa, like, Jesus, and I ain't even talking about her as a performer. I'm just saying her movies. Let's take a look here. It was called um, it was called Thunder Force. Thunder God, Force. Oh my. God. All right, let's take a look here. The Life of the Party, uh, Ghostbusters, The Boss, Spy, Tammy, Tammy sucks. The Heat. I never seen that one. Identity Thief was actually pretty good. I know. I don't, did I see That's the one with the J, uh, fuck Jason. Jason uh, Statham. No, uh, Bateman. Jason I, I, Bateman. I don't think I seen that one. I ain't seen that. I didn't get to see that one. All right, but anyway, see so ya. Yeah. You're right. Her 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 resume her, is trash. Her resume is kind of trash, uh, but it's a drama. Melissa McCarthy is starring in a drama with Chris O'Dowd and uh, Kevin Klein and Timoth- Timothy Oliphant. She's a, gr- a grieving uh, mother, like 
not a like not a mother per se, but him and uh, her and Chris O'Dowd's character were parents to be, and I guess the the baby died shortly after being born, mm. and so they're just sort of trying to pick up the pieces of their lives together. I, that's, I, I'm curious to see how Melissa McCarthy's acting is. as a drama. As a drama, yeah, yeah. So she's a nominee. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm gonna rewind this here. It says here uh, on the Academy Award nominee Melissa McCarthy. When the hell was she nominated oh, for an Oscar? I have no clue. Holy shit. So, yeah. Uh, Academy Award winner, Clevin Klein. Okay, there you go. So, it's me. <laughs> All right. So, we'll go ahead and move on to topic of the show. But, yeah. These trailers were kind of bad this week. I'm Jesus not going to lie. And it was a lot of I think we was on top of the show for like 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, the only one I say, watch Doug Days, Kingsman, everything else will be in the description. We'll go ahead and move on to topic of the show. time for topic of the show yes so um not too bad on time actually so we have some we have a good 20 minutes to talk about uh a a youtube video here so i assigned troy some homework and i watched it too it was a 50 minute long youtube video yeah and the movie the video was called by the way and i'll put the link in the in the description as well it's not gonna we're not bullying him or nothing like that we're just simply like reacting slash just having a discussion yeah. we're using his video as a jump off point to sort of talk about it and maybe even rebuttal do a rebuttal to his his points but basically the name of the youtube video is called 26 reasons and i'll actually pull it up on screen here it's called 26 reasons why post-millennial movies are so awful with three exclamation points and i have a document made that i typed up myself here it is a four page little like notes that i took where um i basically summarized his entire uh youtube video in four pages going over everything here so we're gonna sort of like because he gave us 26 reasons we don't have time to like dissect every individual reason and attack each point. So I want us to like sort of attack like the bigger points and like the bigger things, maybe sort of lump some certain things together. We can do deep dives on certain reasons, but we do not have the time to talk about every reason. So I'm going to go ahead and give you guys the Cliff Notes versions of the, the 26 reasons why he thinks that movies post the year 2000 suck. It says, number one, the lack of economic pacing. Number two, over editing. Number three, OCD OCD cinematography. Number four, OCD lighting. Number five, over choreographed action. Number six, overuse of CGI. Number seven, bad musical scores. Uh, Okay, number eight, over over compartmentalization of personnel. Number nine, terrible casting. Number 10, recycled symbols and metaphors. Number 11, dumb heroes. Number 12, mumbled dialogue. Number 13, ever-increasing spectacle. Number 14, blank canvas art movies. Number uh, number 15, the uncinematic nature of IT communication. Number 16, over-reliance on exposition. Number 17, illegal downloading. Number 18, blitz marketing instead of word of mouth. Number 19, dependence on commercial and political advertising revenue. 
Number 20, brand-based marketing. Number 21, fake reviews. Number 22, expensive technical standards. Number 23, ideological conformity. Number 24, socially motivated viewing. Number number 25, the redundancy of art in the age of mass communication. And the biggest reason that I would say was probably gonna, we're gonna need to talk about is number 26, is the lack of visionary directors. So Troy, you made your own notes on the yeah. on the subject here. And so you have rebuttals to his, his points. And yeah. before you say your rebuttals here, let me tell you my, my own personal thoughts as a summary. I am not, I'm an, I'm an offense, I'm a fence sitter on this one here mm. because although I, I don't think he's, wrong mm. i don't think he's right either mm. i think he has there were a couple of things uh like a couple of those bullet points that i that i gave you mm. a couple of them i actually thought of before he said it mm. yeah yeah like yeah. i knew he was gonna say it because that's one that's something that's something i, think. I thought of, you thought of, yeah. yeah right so i agree with certain things that he says and there are certain things that he's he, he nails right in his in his uh his in-depth like breakdown of each individual mm. reason which he goes into yeah so that's not to say that i wholeheartedly like oh he's right all right, movies right. post 2000 suck right but he he is pointing out trends that i notice and there mm. are trends these are big picture trends yeah. yeah so i think that he may be onto something but i also don't think that his opinion is overreaching or over or overpowering mm. my love for like post 2000 movies. 2000 movies yeah you know yeah. what i mean no nah, yeah but i, I, I agree with certain things you know yeah what I mean? for sure not nah, for sure so let me ask you this: When we, when I texted you this this video, uh, when when I told you to prepare for it, yeah. you said right off the bat, "Oh, I can tell I'm going to disagree with it based off right. of the title." Right. Now that you had the chance, did you watch the whole video? or Did you watch a whole? I watched of- it all the way through. Okay, so now that you watched the whole video and you sort of got like a lay of his like logic and his reasoning, mm-hmm. do you think that you it might you might I don't know over overreacted a little or no? No, I didn't. Um, and I actually was correct on my, what I thought. You know, and it's crazy that you said that first, because one of the first notes I took and about the about his video was is one of the things that you know I always feel like if you make a video like this or you're making a point overall, yeah, one of the big important things that you do is you give examples. Yeah, which and, he did. Yeah, and he didn't. Oh, when it came to like when I'm talking when I say examples, this whole video was talking about post uh, two thousand two thousand movies, right? He didn't go through rarely any movies in terms of giving the examples of okay, this movie is a, this movie. The lighting, look how dark this movie is, or or this movie, the cinematography it's is so good, yeah. yeah. Or this movie, the pacing isn't done right, or this movie, like like that's why when you watch reviews, when you watch, and the reason why this is so important mm-hmm. is because it helps you to understand if someone is has any kind of biases. It helps you understand if this. This is just an opinion without any thought or effort into it. I'm not saying that's the case, but it helps me understand that because you're breaking down where you're getting your where you're getting this uh, mindset from. Right. So if you say, like, for instance, you know, the mumbling and he brought the Dark Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, he he brought that up. So it's a few examples where he does it. But throughout the entire video, it's a very few examples where he said, this score is, you know, he was talking about scores. Yeah, he said Hans Zimmer. He's like, no, but I'm saying what movies, 
did Hans Zimmer do that felt the same as all of his, like, uh, you know, because he, cause he was talking about, you know, like, when John oh. Williams do a movie, it sounds different from this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me a movie where Hans Zimmer does a movie, and it sounds just like that in the other one, because for me, Hans Zimmer is revolutionary, you know what I'm saying? He's not as good as John Williams, but he's revolutionary. So, that's the first thing that stood out to me over watching his videos. He wasn't coming, he wasn't giving me, like, examples of specific things, but it's funny, because when he talk about past movies. He gave he, you examples. He gave you examples. He'll throw you this why this movie was good. Like, and he'll talk about in depth, right? But yeah. And the reason why that's important because, you know, a lot of people do this and they do this with all subjects, right? Back in my day, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, it, it can be with sports. It can be with anything. People, like, it don't matter how good or bad something is in this generation. They're going to say their generation was the shit, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you hear it about basketball all the time. Nah, man, Jordan, back in Jordan days, <laughs> they, they couldn't go down. We did this. We did that. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why I felt like it was important for him to get specific so he did, he wouldn't come off as that guy, you know? So, so, you, the, so, you, you're, you're, so you're kind of hearkening into, like, he's a bit of an old head. Yeah, he's a bit of an old head. And, and that's how yeah. I felt because I was looking for more of those give me like call these movies out you're not you're not bashing the movie you're not hating on the movie call the movie out you know what I'm saying tell me the specific movies and it's a lot because we're in tw- us- this movie was this video was like I believe four years old so and it, and it got recommended to me by the way that's the reason why I pulled it up is it, it got on my YouTube recommendation feeds and yeah. I'm guessing because YouTube knows me I guess uh, and so that's why I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to do like a deep dive. And so I actually wrote, took down notes on everything he said here. And he gave us examples like, for instance, for he said for OCD lighting, right? He gave us the example of horror movies. Horror movies suffer suffer in the post-millennial. Oh, real quick. Let me oh. stop you right there. All right. Go for um, it. Now, there, there are, I did my last point because I got it in five different bullet points. Okay, go for it. So I got five different points of what I thought about the video separating five All right, points. Cool, cool, cool. And the fifth point is what I, I do agree. Okay. Right, and what I agree with lighting and overuse of CGI. <laughs> so don't, you know, the, the, so that's why I stopped yeah. you right there. Yeah. That's what I do agree with. The lighting in certain movies is they they try to make it where you see everything. Yes. Or they try to well, it's not lit realistically sometimes. Yes. Sometimes it's lit where it's like Oh, you're going to see everything when sometimes it's not meant or better for you not to kind of see what's going on. Or sometimes scenes are darker than they need to be. They need to be lighter. Sometimes they need to be or darker. Most times he was saying that they're brighter than they need they to be. They need to be. But I'm saying in yeah. general, sometimes they're lighter and they need to be darker. Sometimes they're darker and they need to be lighter. But it's like movies are these days lit to be perfect to where it needs. And yeah. it's like that's not really how scenery works. So that's one of the things in terms of lighting. I agreed with his video and overuse of CGI. I yes. agree with that. He's you know? He gives he gives us a lot of examples to work with here, but as far as like the the OCD lighting, like what really stuck to me was like uh, pre millennial movies were like you know uh, horror movies back in the day, such as A Nightmare on Elm Street, which he he gives us like he cited specifically that one. They were very dark and very hard to see. And now post millennial movies, they are they are shot during the daytime. And see, I'm glad you said that because that's exposure. a that's a great example. You see, he didn't bring up a, a new horror movie. He just says he post. just post But then he gave a specific movie in the for past. his past, and that that's what yeah. I mean. That's one of my. So he's giving us like 
Yeah, like, it's like a this, general yeah, thing yeah. with that, but he'll go to specifics about the past. And that's one of the things uh, that I didn't like about this video. Okay. It's like, if you're going to compare something, compare it. Don't just give us this and then this is how this is. And, and, <laughs> and matter of fact, I, and I, I got more on that. I'm a, I got more on that, too. Uh, but he says, post-millennial movies are shot during the day with their exposure set low, and it's called day-for-night lighting. So things are easily seen even in the dark. Yeah. So I, I agree. I, that's one of the points I agree with. Uh, so let me. I'm going to just sort of just jump around here. Uh, over editing, uh, he says that the tends it tends to be an issue with action movies, including Daniel Craig's James Bond uh, film franchise. Um, it started off with the Bourne series, whenever the shaky cam thing was happening. Um, it's a problem for non-action movies too, where dialogue scenes are being cut between two actors instead of just framing both actors in one shot. Do you think uh, that that's true? Yeah, but see, okay, so now, now I'm going to go ahead and get to to the the second biggest problem, and that leads right in. It's funny kind of how this, our shit kind of syncing up, <laughs> but I'm going to get to the second biggest problem with this video. A lot of the stuff he was saying about the post-millennial mm -hmm. movies, mm -hmm. they're true, but there are problems before <laughs> that, too, as well. A lot, of, and that's why I was like, dude, are you biased? Are you shitting me right now? Like, like per perfect example. He talked about dialogue, yeah. right? He talked about how a lot of movies explain everything. Like yeah. a lot of like in the dialogue, yes. a lot of these movies explain the plot, right? Yeah. Um and uh, exposition dumps. Exposition yeah. dumps, right? Yes. And then and then he brought up Quentin Tarantino and he yeah. said how good Quentin yeah. Tarantino does it, right? Yes. Yes. And I was glad he brought up Quentin Tarantino because in his twin Tarantino it's an interview with Quentin Tarantino's very first movie that came out in nineteen ninety two. Or, or three, one of those, where he talks about how he's sick of movies explaining the whole damn plot. <laughs> and they're asking him, oh, yeah, your dialogue is so good. Basically, the same thing this dude's saying. Like, yes. yeah, Tarantino's good. And way back in 1992, Quentin Tarantino was talking right. about how he's sick of movies explaining the whole plot, explaining the dialogue. So guess what that means? What? That was a problem before, 2000, <laughs> before the 2000s, right? So a lot of these things he's saying, that it's not that he's wrong. But he's acting as if this it's a all new started after yeah. the. But it's like, bro, it's so. And like another example, right? Because like what he what he said, I agree with was the overuse of CGI. And and one of those points he 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 brought up how the background looks fake, right? You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah, he said that. Yeah, yeah. The that, background yeah. looks fake, yeah. and he even said this. He proved my own point for me. He said. Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock, and yeah, back in his movies, the background looked fake, but it wasn't green screen back then. They would it was a paint, yeah, yeah, they would they would paint the the background and then have someone over the background and like to make it look like it's somewhere it's not. And yeah. if you watch a lot of Alfred Hitchcock movies, the background looks fake. Yes. and he even brought that up, and I was like, "Thank you, sir, for answering my question." That was a problem before the two thousands. So my, what I'm saying, what like a lot of his what he wasn't understanding about a lot of the stuff he's saying is. Yes, these things are pro certain things are problems in movies, but they've always been problems in movies. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of these guys tend to forget about when they talk about uh, back in my day, yeah. uh, da, 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 da. they don't realize that it's still the same things was even back then. There were movies that had uh, uh, exposition dumps. There were movies that had bad actors. There were movies that that all it, a lot of the stuff he brought up existed before then. You know what I'm saying? And it's like now since it's not his day no more, he's recognizing all the stuff that even and he answered it in his own video. There's <laughs> so many moments that he answered in his own video. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that's interesting stuff, man. There's so much to, to like 
there's so much to glean from, and I wish I could like go over all of my notes and stuff and everything he said. But like, let's talk about the scores here. Um, the scores is uh, he talked about Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman. He says that they're good, but he says that their music sounds the same from film to film. Whereas John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith would make unique music to their films that they they are scoring. So for instance, he says the Alien, the movie Alien oh, yeah. score, uh, is much different than Poltergeist as well as First Blood. But they were all made by the same composer. So when you can like hear the track for the first time, you recognize that it's that film. Yeah. Whereas if you play a Hans Zimmer track, you can't name which movie because they all blend together. Right. Is what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, which I kind of agree because I I can't tell well, if see, that, I can't tell if I if I'm listening to a Hans Zimmer song I can't tell if it goes to Inception or Man of Steel right they both kind of fit both places exactly well so okay I'm not gonna lie I disagree with that you know what I'm saying I do disagree with what with, uh, what you just said with Hans Zimmer but <laughs> but here's the here's the problem with what he just said the dude named the most revolutionary score uh, uh, of um, of all time of yeah. all time he named the literally the best of all John time Williams. it's like <laughs> duh you, you gonna name John Williams and the dude that did Alien score like of course right but again like there there's scores that exact that all sound the same yeah and then when there's a great Composer like the composer that won uh, the Oscar for Black Panther. Yeah, his scores in each movie he 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 scored ten. That shit don't that shit different from Black Panther. Yeah, he's a he's one of the new great composers. You see what I'm saying? Uh, I just said how I just disagree with you with um Man of Hans Steel Zimmer. Yeah, yeah, I disagree with Hans Zimmer. To me, he his shit sound different. So if you name the best of the generation. Of course that's going to be the case. <laughs> so, like, it, like a lot of his stuff, if you break down what he's saying, he's not making a lot of sense. But you have to break it down. You see what I'm yeah. saying? So, it, back before the back before the t- 2000s, there's a lot of music that sounds the same. It's a lot of mu- especially um, the music that try to rip off, you know, uh, it's a lot of people that try to rip off um, Spielberg movies. Yeah. And, they, and they'll try to get, they can't get a John Williams. So what they gonna do? They're gonna make a John Williams sound like. sound. Yeah. Right. So, and, and that's why I'm like, dude, I disagree again. So you he know? says here the movies were made with temporary scores during the editing process. Hmm. These temporary scores would have like actual real scores and that's true that's a true movies. thing that's a true thing so these famous scores are then uh, used as placeholders so when an actual composer is brought on to on board to, to actually score the movie they would end up being making a derivative work because the executives are happy with the temporary score that they put in and they mm. want a score that has the same effect yeah that's true now that's true but uh, that's one of the things that's true and I'm not going to act like that specific thing I've always known Hollywood do because that's one of the more behind the scenes kind of thing. So I don't fucking know if Hollywood been doing it. But nowadays, that is true. Like, they, they'll screen the movie and then they like the score that they kind of used and was like, go tell this person, hey, go make something like this. Yeah. Which caused this shit to be repetitive. And then, yeah. So that's something I agree with and I can't necessarily argue that that was before too because I don't know how Hollywood was back in the 80s, 90s, yeah. 70s or whatever. So it is what it is. The overcompartment of personnel. So he's saying that directors and writers are being shoved into a box that aren't allowed to oversee other departments during the process. Executives tell people that are on the uh, on the come up, you can either write or direct, but you can't do both. 
unless you're a well-established person. Well, and there's a lack of a single all, creative l- force behind the film. Listen, all the stuff that he brought up behind the scenes to me is pretty irrelevant. I, I'm not even going to get into that because we don't know Hollywood and he don't know either. Like he, he talked, like he said in the video that it's shit. He don't be known when it comes to behind the scenes. Yes. We don't know. So I'm not going to get up here and act like, you know, Oh yeah, that's what's been. We don't know. Like we don't know how producers and how that shit work. We know it's a lot of shady shit in Hollywood. We know it's a lot of success stories in Hollywood. So all that stuff, like towards the it's end. Hearsay of it, at this yeah, point. it's hearsay. Yeah. yeah. So ever increasing spectacle due to the television and, and the internet, movie studios are forced into making bigger spectacle films to give people a reason to to go to the theaters grandiose epic films because tv studios didn't have the budget or bandwidth to pull it off uh it leads to creative mistakes so for instance he gave an example the empire strikes back versus the force awakens he says the empire had its big spectacle and done and got it out of the way at the beginning of the film and the climax was more personal with the fight between luke and darth vader whereas the force awakens climax has a was about blowing up an entire planet you know yeah so does that is that a good example for I you? I mean, no, that's a good that specific example is a good example. That that's a good example, and I agree with that example. But I don't know if I could agree with the overall arcing of what it's a creative his point. mistake. Yeah, like I, I don't agree with his like that specific example is true because I remember watching Force Awakens like oh so it's a Death Star but just bigger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's like so that specific example. Yes, I agree with, but to say overall that's how Hollywood is that they're trying to know because it's some movie that aren't like that you know what I mean so that's here nor there I don't disagree or agree it's just one of those or here nor there alright this one is, this one got me here blank canvas art movies movies that are slow quirky and kind of empty giving the appearance that there's something there when there isn't such as he gave an example Donnie Darko uh, he likens it to modern art where painting has a circle and a square and the artist says it's what you bring to it or what you see and he calls bullshit he says that art is about expressing something not letting the audience project meaning yeah so this is i got a section that i wrote um on my bullet point number four and i got a title the little points he made to prove that he doesn't know what he's talking about okay. and so this falls under one of those so basically and this one, this one where he makes himself look bad in his own video, right? Okay. So a big part of art movies, right, is for an art movie isn't going to tell you what it is. You got to figure it out. You got to watch it. And the meaning, you got to figure out the meaning, right? So he he made the point that some of these movies try to act like they have a meaning <laughs> and they try to act all artistic, and yeah. they, but they really don't, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, in the, in the damn video, mm-hmm. he said he watched Donnie Darko two times. Yes. He said... I don't really know why I like it. I, I mean, I don't think it's bad. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's bad. But this is the movie he used as his example. Okay. And he was like, I, don't, I just don't really know. I don't really know what it's about. I don't, you know, I don't think it's bad, blah, blah, blah. Well, you're proving that you're not understanding the movie. If you watch a movie, a movie's trying to get its point across, right? You might watch it and don't get the message that the movie was getting. That doesn't mean the movie did it. You just didn't get the message. Like with Donnie Darko, you didn't get the message. You don't even know why you like the movie. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's movies and, and artistic movies. The thing about them, the reason why some people feel like they're boring is because artistic movies is more of show and not tell. Right? If you watch a Paul Thomas Anderson movie and you watch There Will Be Blood, you see how I've given examples? Uh, you watch There Will Be Blood. There's nothing in the plot that explains what's going on. Right? You got to see by what the director is showing you that it's a, about a character that uh, has uh, daddy issues and it's a character that is very competitive in the and in, in trying to get oil and things like that. You have to 
watch that. Now, if you don't pick up on that, that doesn't mean the movie was empty of having any meaning or message or tried to act like it portrayed a message in it. Don't. You just didn't get that message. And then sometimes you have to see movies over and over. Another example, 2001 A Space Odyssey, one of the greatest movies ever made. Most people that'll tell you, if you if you go and watch any review on YouTube, people will say, I have no clue what the hell that movie means, <laughs> right? Even some of the people that love it the most, you know what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean the movie didn't have any type of artistic value and meaning just because you didn't get it. You see what I'm saying? So he like he expl- he kind of showed in while he was explaining what he was talking about that he just didn't, he just not catching it. It takes a certain level of, of, of critic um, mind to pick up on some of these little small details that's in certain art house films that the average person wouldn't pick up on because again like in big blockbuster movies where they tell you the plot and they tell you the theme the plot and everything and you know well artistic film will show you and then you have to figure it out so he had an example of like something where he said a color or some yeah. shit with like yellow and green and da, da, da. yeah like well, a painting he's talking about a painting with but, like very little right like, like a painting well Dude, in your example, that really could have meant something. Like that, like depending on whatever the story is or the plot is, but just say that could have really meant something. And that would have been your job to pick up on that. You don't just say, "Oh, that just don't mean nothing." No, it it meant it might have meant something if you see a heart on the in the in, in another Paul Thomas uh, Anderson example at the end of. Um, at the end of what's the Magnolia, a bunch of frogs fall yeah, out the yeah. sky. You see what I'm saying? If you don't pick up on it, you just go, oh, frogs fall out the sky. What is he trying to say something? You see what I'm saying? But if you pay attention to the movie and if you watch it a couple times, if you miss that on stuff, you understand that underlining theme. So I disagree with and, and if those movies do exist where they're just overly artistic, they've always exist. That ain't something that just happened after the 2000s. So that was like the biggest point that he made that I disagree with entirely. I was like, <laughs> dude, are you serious? <laughs> so here's a turning point here. So everything from here, from points 15 to 25, were not filmmakers' faults, but rather it's a, re- a result of society. He started off with saying that the uncinematic nature of IT communications. He says that phone calls, text messages, and video calls do not look cinematic, and they reduce communication down to the verbal. So maybe holograms will solve that problem in the future, but probably not. He says millennials may not be attuned to body language and other nonverbal communications. Horror movies suffer because cell phones exist and people can easily call for help. And filmmakers make uh, they need to make uh, contrived reasons to get rid of, get rid of cell phones. So that's um, interesting. I, I mean, listen, I, I disagree with that only because that's a part that that's big and on the right on the writing like you got to write you know you got to learn how to figure out how to you have to writers have to figure out how to make that important but the way that's one that i could give him because we don't see enough of like that utilized in movies cell phones and like you know someone make you know uh being able to get out deal with having their phone and still having a problem like because cell phones solve so many problems yes, if you yeah. can just call or send a text like it oh, the problem's over give and me an uber uh, uber <laughs> right so triple <laughs> right so we don't really see that enough of you know cell phones being implemented in stories and it's still a problem and they still got to solve it so i'll give him that but I don't necessarily think that 
that's a pro- I mean, that's society. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, no, that's what he said. He said it at the beginning. He said like everything from here is not a filmmaker's fault. It's society's basically he's saying. Right. He's saying that like you can't just have a text message on screen with like bubbles but it, and it, it doesn't look cinematic. Yeah, I mean, this I disagree because it's a movie that came out a couple years ago about a a, a, a woman that came a, a girl that came up missing. I can't think of the oh, name of it. Yeah, uh, with John Cho. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, I know was, you... it was a straight up masterpiece, yeah. and it was all cell phones, and uh, and it and it was cinematic as fuck. I, it's killing me I got, that I can't think I of that got movie. This here. I'm but gonna look it up. John yeah, that shit. that that movie right there was uh was so goddamn good. And it was uh searching, searching. Oh my goodness, and and it's like I just I almost wish, and I think that video he did that video before searching came out. Maybe I, I think he did that video before searching out, but I just almost wish I could just drop searching right there in his lap, like I think as he I think he made the, I think he made the movie when that uh, what was that horror movie called? Uh, which it was kind of like found footage of Skype. It was a Skype call. Uh, uh, damn. Oh, um, uh, not, it was before searching. It was uh, uh, what the fuck was that? Called? Unfriended. Unfriended. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I bet you he made that. I bet you he made that when Unfriended yeah. came out. Uh, uh, that unfriended. That's a movie that make him say right. Yes. Like so, he'll, I'll show him searching. He'll show, show me unfriended. I'm like fuck. You know. So that's why. That's why I said like that's the one I can't really like. I can't go against him on, but I can't agree with him on either. So it's like up in the air. <laughs> like, for every tip, there's yeah, a tap. Yeah, for sure. That that's one of them. That's up. In there, <laughs> I got ye, got him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I wanted to. Uh, uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up with these two reasons here. I'm gonna skip over some of these stuff because there's a, again. I encourage you guys to watch. Uh, uh, but real his, quick, his let video. me talk about because okay, so I got a bunch of points that proved uh, that that one I told you that proved he doesn't know what he's talking about. All right, right? go for it. Go for it. Um, he said it's an obsession. He said, "quote It's an obsession with trying to capture a crisp, clean, smooth image." Yeah, cinematography, OCD cinematography. Right, yeah. and he said the real world doesn't look like that. Yes. He also said he feels like the cinematographer is trying to gain his attention more than the, the director. director. Yeah, he's now saying again, that uh, it's a lot of aesthetic. He's a right. lot of now again. Aesthetic. So there's two things that I, I, I gotta point to him that's ridiculous, right? So point number one: movies aren't supposed to be real life. Even the movies that are feel realistic and feel really, it's a cinematic quality to them that that separates it from reality, yeah. right? So every movie, even as realistic as it is, is supposed to escape you from your reality to yeah. a certain degree so even that's why you watch something like goodfellas it's supposed to be realistic about these gangsters but then there's slow motion scenes that's do 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 yeah. that's not real you know the people don't shoot in slow motion there's scenes where it's like he's on coke and then like and then the editing and make it look faster than that's not real right so when he says oh the real world doesn't look like that bro it's not supposed to be the real world even it's if it's cinema, a, it's cinema. Even, yeah. it's cinema yeah. right cinema isn't real thank you cinema isn't real even if it takes place in the real world even if it's supposed to be grounded is not real world so that's the first reason i disagree with him right then the second thing uh he said was it's like the cinematographer is trying to uh do more than the director dude the cinematographer works for the director he's gonna do what the director tells him to do so that makes no sense you can't say it's like the cinematographer trying to do more than the director when it's like me if you're the director and i'm the cinematographer and you say true i need a shot going up and then i need a, a beautiful shot coming down and it's gonna overlay and it's gonna be stylistic 
I listen to what you do. I'm going to get a shot coming over. That's not the, the cinematographer. So you can't say, oh, it's like the cinematographer trying to show out more than the director. That makes no sense. So it's like, it, again, like, if you know movies, this dude's video, he's, he sounds like amateurish, like with a lot of stuff. <laughs> but he, tr know? he tries to come off as professional. He tries to come, and the thing about it is if you don't know how to counter this stuff, it really does make it sound like it makes a lot of sense. But you got to really understand it. Now, this is the last one I'm going to talk about. Go for it. And, and this is the one that kind of almost that irritated you. It irritated me because it almost <laughs> comments from a common sense point, so it don't make sense. He said, uh, too many action scenes are. Uh, Pre, oh yeah, I got it. I hear. What is uh, the over quote? choreographed action? He says, right. Action scenes are planned out along with their camera angles and a 3D edit. Mm. Action scenes are so precise to the point where it looks staged. Mm. Uh, so he says, and he gives he, he gives an example of a pre-millennial film. Mad Max did not have perfect shots, but the the chaotic action was perfect for the movie. However, choreographed or uh, however the Oreo ah over choreographed action for the Matrix was perfect because of the context of the film. Right. So. I disagree with that because listen, if you look at the greatest action movies ever made, and I don't give a damn what millennium it came out in. Okay. It was overly choreographed before they shot. You can't listen. You there's no way you could ask any filmmaker. There's no way you could step on set and freestyle that <laughs> shit. When it comes to an action scene, maybe a scene where we're talking and it's like, all right, let's just make up something on the day and see how we're gonna shoot this. But when it comes to an action scene, you'll be wasting a lot of the studio's money. You'll be wasting a lot of time, and you'll stress yourself out if you think you could not have it completely from every storyboarded every yeah like it has to be that way so it's almost weird and the thing what he was talking about is there's certain looks uh when you know film and action because they didn't have certain technology that they that we have now like they didn't have the steady cam back then yeah. so certain things might have had to look a little but trust me that shit was very very staged and planned out and re even if it don't look as as, as that it definitely was because that's the only way you could do an action scene so that's the one that's the one scene that's the one thing he said that actually made him not look like he knows what he's talking everything else is mainly is just a disagreement but you know again if you know what you're talking about you know where to disagree with him but that was the one thing he said that was almost like ah oh, come on now bro are you sure you know anything about filmmaking <laughs> like come on now and that was one of them so you know, other yeah, but you know, overall, so he, I disagree with him. But but he has things. To, he has some points. I yeah, mean, he he made some. He made some points. He he definitely made some points. And a lot of the stuff that I can't speak on was the stuff behind the scenes. You know, yeah. if he's from Hollywood and he knows uh, more of that stuff, I'm not saying he's wrong on that. That's some of the stuff I uh, I I can't say he's wrong on. And then again, I made the points where I did agree with him. So there was a couple yeah. of things on there I did agree with him. Uh, I felt like he was very disrespectful by saying a reverend and was trash. I was like, dude, are you smoking? The the the, the director won best director. The cinematographer won best cinematographer, and the lead actor. Was lead actor. Oh my god, bro, cut it out, man. But yeah, so, so that's the, all I feel about it. So I just wanted to say, like, um, damn, I lost my I lost my train of thought here. But I, yeah, I, I'm gonna just go ahead and just finish wrap it up. He here. wasn't completely. Everything, wrong, yeah. yeah, everything he said wasn't wrong, but I disagree with a lot of his points. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go and wrap it up with two more reasons here. Illegal downloading. He says that it hurts the profitability profitability of the movies. It results in the movie studios only making safe movies, which means that certain genres get made less and less. Adult mm -hmm. dramas are now HBO series instead of movies. 
And he says that movies are now targeted to kids and teenagers. Not true. Um, it, a bit of an old head kind of point there, yeah, by the that, way. Yeah, that's not true. Like, before pandemic, I can't even talk about how many billion-dollar movies. It's like we're seeing more bit. Like, now, if he was making that page, that point right now, he might have a point because shit, when shit goes straight to HBO Max, it gets straight uh, pirated in HD. But when most people, if they have the, the choice to see something looking shitty on the laptop or being able to see it in, on the big screen or somewhere else or, or on Netflix if it debuted there or whatever the case, they'll choose that. And that's why movies were still very, very successful uh, before the pandemic. So I disagree with that point. And the final reason here, and this is the biggest reason here, he says there's a lack of visionary filmmakers. Ooh. He says... The guy doesn't like Christopher Nolan films. He says that at the beginning. He says he finds them boring. Uh, he thinks that Inception was all right. Uh, he says there aren't many directors making classic movies after classic movies. There aren't any modern Kubricks or John Carpenters or Scorseses. Most directors working in the industry are motivated by fame and money and don't particularly have anything meaningful to say or have any insights into the world. He gives an example. Stanley Kubrick loved to read and read about many, many subjects. He had an intellectual understanding of many subjects to the point where he made films with interesting insights and has things to say. Directors that are on the come up these days want to imitate other directors, such as people wanting to be the next Tarantino. The thing is, the filmmaker will always be a great value Tarantino and will never beat the original at their own game. Yeah, see, that's just that, that was just... Um... That's an opinion that I definitely, definitely, definitely he, disagree with. I kind of agree with the last part about about like if well, you try to imitate someone, you're always going to be a well, yeah, a, no, that's true. But a, see, but, a shitty version of them. No, yeah. that's true. But see, what one thing he has to understand is the difference between imitating someone and being inspired by someone. Like every director that he named, Stanley Kubrick was inspired by uh, different directors, like Hitchcock, Hitchcock, yeah. And, yeah. and all that. You know, Quentin Tarantino was inspired by Martin Scorsese and Brian De Palma, and and so a little bit of their style is in their style but then they create their own style within that so it's a difference between someone just copying someone and someone you know being inspired by them and you know you see a little bit of their style in there so I disagree with that and I also disagree with like again that this one of the things that made me feel like he's one of the old like old heads <laughs> that say that because it's like really there's no good modern day directors it's like are you shitting me right now like I, I feel like the directors in terms of the, the talent that's out there it's just as much you got I'm talking Paul Thomas Anderson Wes Anderson are you gonna say that about them like are you smoking so I mean Dennis Villeneuve it's, I mean, it's it's so many directors that I, I can't even get into that because it's like it's so many directors, you know. And so, like, that's one of the things that just make me disagree. And then again, lastly, to my point that I've been making through the whole thing, he always gives an example of something from the past and don't give. So he talked about how Stanley Kubrick read and all that. So who's a director that how do you know directors don't read and, and be inspired by stuff they you know studied on and, and things like that so you can't just say one without the other you gotta <laughs> if you're gonna give an example of something give an example of how the other person don't do that you know <laughs> don't just say this person did that but you see what I'm saying so it's like know. yeah yeah Josh Trink man he doesn't know it. what a damn thing about it, he's talking about or something like that <laughs> yeah, like, something like you that. see what I'm saying like that would have made his point so much better but it's like no, Josh Trink said in an interview that he's dumb as fuck I'm right. Like, okay. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, but see, it, when he don't do that, it make it sound biased, okay. and that's what I feel like about yeah. his whole video. It was biased. Yeah, you're right. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. But like, I, I, there's something, there's something about what he said though that does speak to me. And I guess because I'm older and I feel very, I'm starting to age into that old head category. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling like sometimes I feel like okay boomerish. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So 
I'm not entirely like in this camp either, but I'm not. Uh, which point? I, which point? I, I don't know, man. I'm oh, just, you talking about just I, overall? Like, I don't know which side of the fence I'm sitting on. I'm sitting on the fence. Yeah, oh, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But yeah, the, I, the, whatever. Now, but anyways, I, oh, and lastly, just the last thing. All right. If his video was retitled, the problems with movies in general, and then a lot of these points, I would agree with a lot more. But the fact that he kind of cut Say it off, 2000 like, and, and then, uh, yeah. yeah, and he made it a divide. Now it's like, okay, come on now. But you so, know what I was gonna say to his point about legendary or, or legendary directors, I guess, yeah. is like when I when I think of like the '80s and stuff like that, and like you had yeah. like you know your Steven Spielberg, your George Lucas's, your John Hughes, mm-hmm. Martin I don't, Scorsese, yeah, Martin Scorsese. Like you, I don't think we have that kind of caliber of working directors in the '80s versus working directors now. You know what I mean? Mm. Is, is, is or am I wrong? Or am yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I because I th- see the reason why I think so, I think so because they were since they were new era Hollywood, they started new Hollywood. Basically, they always will be remembered as that. Yeah, and so it's like that four, like the four or five directors. Like a, you that, got a Mount Rushmore. About Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Now it's just so many directors that that are great. It's that you can't. It, they don't stand out like that. But really, there is because if you think about Christopher Nolan, right? He'll count as one of the new era directors, right? Paul Thomas Anderson. He'll count as one of the... Everyone knows who Paul Thomas Anderson is. Everyone decided. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve, yeah. you know, who, who's doing Dune and he's done Arrival and then done, you know, all these big movies, done, done uh, the fucking... The Mexican cartel movie. Yeah. I can't think of it. Like, he'll be one on that. So they're, they're there. You see what I'm saying? But it's just so many other directors with it. Ryan Johnson, this director, this director. J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it don't, it don't everyone's, feel... Everyone's hat is in the ring. Yeah, everybody had in the ring where at that time it was just, it was about them. If yeah. you wasn't Martin Scorsese, Brian De Palma, uh, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, yeah. um, those dudes, then you really wasn't, no one wasn't talking about you at the time. Them dudes was running Hollywood. So yeah. that's why it feels a bit different. Right. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Okay, I'll get yes, but as far as the actual topic of the show, we kind of went over time. But I will say we this. had to though. We had that to. dude was talking shit. We had to. <laughs> but sure. I will say this. I'm gonna say just to close it out. We could have easily done an entire Ready Play oh, movies yeah. on, whole, on this yeah. one topic. I kind of almost for wish we. I thing. almost kind of wish we did. We, could, yeah. we we left out so many talking points. Yeah, by the way, absolutely. I encourage you guys to watch this video. It's actually interesting if you're like into like filmmaking and and just uh, and, and and just criticism of movies in general. Yeah, I think it's a good thought exercise in my opinion. Yeah, uh, it definitely had a good. It inspired a good conversation between me and Troy, and yeah, it's uh, it sort of makes me open my eyes. You know what I mean? So. Uh, that's all I wanted to say. I enjoyed I enjoyed the video for the for the thought provoking it did. Not so much like yeah, you know yeah. the actual whether like, it was true or not. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it's it caused a discussion. Exactly. So we'll go ahead and move on to the to finish out the show with Netflix and Chill and the new releases. So let's let's sort of like speed run this. So for Netflix and Chill, uh, I'm gonna just sort of just read the charts here real quick. Uh, first up at number one is He's All That, which is the She's All That remake. Oh, shit. <laughs> Did you even know that He's All That was a thing? Nah, I didn't. <laughs> uh, number two is something called... It's a, it's a Netflix series called Clickbait, where um, Adrian Grenet from the, from uh, Entourage, mm. he stars and he's, he's kidnapped. And if somebody... If one of his videos gets 5 million views, he's, he's going to get killed. Oh, I'm like, shit. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. Next, number three is SAS, Rise of the Black Swan. Don't know what that is. Number four is Manifest. Manifest. It's still on the chart. It's still on the chart. Number five is the Jason Momoa Sweet Girl. 
which I watched that movie, by the way. I gave my impressions last week. Uh, it's a good movie, by the way. Okay. Number six is Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed, which is not something I would associate with Bob Ross, <laughs> you know, with his painting and shit. He's like, damn, you know, what kind of life did he live? Yeah. Uh, number seven is Coco Melon, which, by the way, week after week has been rising. At like, uh, like, it started at number 10, and then the week after that, it was number nine. Last week is at number eight. It's climbing week by week, one, one at a time. Uh, Coco Melon, yeah. I'm never going away. I don't give a fuck. Y'all think I'm out? I'm not. And number eight is The Loud House Movie. Number nine is Vivo. And number 10 is All American. Uh, as far as the movies goes, uh, he's all that. SAS, Rise of Black Swan, Sweet Girl, Bob Ross, The Loud House Movie, and Vivo are the hold or the carryovers from the last Netflix chart. And then it's sort of like rounded out by 7, 8, 9, 10, which is The Old Ways, The Waterman, which is David Oyelowo. Uh, number nine is uh, The November Man, which is a Pierce Brosnan movie. And number 10, I never heard of this, is called Really Love. Do you have anything to say about the Netflix charts? No, man. I said manifest. I'm good. It's good. That motherfucker right there in the top five. Yeah, that's a good one. You should check it out. Uh, next up is the iTunes charts. Number one is the Hitman's Wife Bodyguard. Uh, number two is Peter Rabbit 2. Number three is Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Damn, that shit just came out. Shit. I know. They already put it on digital. Like, God straight up. damn. Uh, number four is Spider-Man Far From Home. I've been saying Spider-Man on everywhere. I think since the trailer got, like, it's been on TVs, and I go in McDonald's, I see it playing. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, so. Yeah, so people, people wanted to catch up on Spider-Man before, yeah, yeah. before uh, the new movie. movie yeah. That's kind of crazy. I can't believe a trailer made a movie trend on iTunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number five is No Man of God. Number six is Wrath of Man. Number seven is A Quiet Place Part Two. Number eight is Black Widow, which is, I'm surprised is... So low on the list, you know what I mean? Like, Sheesh. no staying power for Black Widow. Yeah, no. Number nine is Pig, and number ten is She's All That. The He's All That on Netflix made <laughs> She's All That from the nineties. That's funny. Man. Trend on iTunes. Yeah, that's just funny as fuck. <laughs> the top ten movies on Amazon Prime. Number one is R E S P E C T, which hey, is and number two. Respect. Number two was Stillwater, which was number one last week, by the way. Oh, Stillwater was up there. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I was good to see that because Stillwater was a good movie that didn't get enough love. Number three is F Nine: The Fast Saga. Number four is The Green Knight. Number five is Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Number six is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Number seven is Black Widow. Number eight is Nobody. Number nine is A Quiet Place Part Two. And number 10 is The Forever Purge. Anything you want to say about either of these charts? Uh, I, like, uh, I got to say, iTunes charts got some bangers because it's like they got a bunch of new fucking movies. You got A Quiet Place Part Two, Black Widow, The Hitman's Wife Bodyguard, G.I. Joe Snake Eye. And then the old movies, you still got like Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> like, damn, it's crazy. So, yeah, that's it. And it's good to see Stillwater up there at the top. Yeah. My recommendation for the week is a movie called Stand and Deliver. It stars mm. uh, Edward James Olmos back okay. when he was at his peak, I would say. Well, hold up. Before you say that, I got to say, just so it won't be underwhelming, I don't have a recommendation because I started a second job and I've been working like a motherfucker. But, yeah, I didn't want to end it on yeah. that. So I'll let you end it <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's, it's on HBO Max right now. You can watch it right now. And uh, it's definitely a movie from, uh, like, it kind of harkens back to, like, I don't know, like a different time, I would say. Uh, I think the movie was made in the 90s, but it was set in the 80s, I want to say. Oh, okay, okay. I, and it's about, like... Uh, and the movie's been parodied even on South Park, by the way. But uh, the movie's about a guy who becomes a calculus teacher 
for like this inner city school. We, like we've seen this movie before. We've seen yeah, it with yeah. Substitute. Yeah. We've seen it with Dangerous Minds and all that stuff. I want to say it's Dangerous Minds. Anyways, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but we've seen this movie before. But it's like a it's a uh, inspirational movie where he takes these these group of inner city kids that with like with no future, I guess, or whatever, and he turns it around and he gives them he makes them like learn calculus and he makes them take the AP test and everyone thought that they cheated because there's no way these these uh, kids can that smart. or that smart can figure it out but no he literally taught them Damn. and so it's a it's a really good uh like uh inspirational movie where uh you sort of like feel for him and, and he makes he makes you care about the characters and he that's cool. it almost, cool. almost kind of makes you want to like damn i want to be a teacher to save the world like that you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah 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 and like but that's the kind of like good like wholesome kind of like feeling that you get from it so if you haven't seen or never heard of stand and deliver it's on hbo max go watch it and it's a good movie so okay. yeah all uh, really yeah, that's what I like to do. I like to find some deep cuts that's for the recommendations cool. and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to the new releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we have six new releases, actually more than six. We'll get into that in a little bit. But um, I usually try to be very thorough, but there's just too many new releases. So I had to sort of like ax some of them. Um, there are six new releases. And one of them, and the very first one is going to be a, uh, a home video slash DVD Blu-ray release, digital release. Like It's called Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms. It comes out on August 31st, which is the day this podcast comes out. Um, and it's actually... Um, how do I put this? It's a sequel to an animated Mortal Kombat movie that came out last year called uh, Mortal Kombat Legends uh, Scorpion's Revenge. Yeah, yeah. So it's the sequel, and it's the, the the synopsis reads, The heroes must travel to Outworld to defend Earthrealm as Scorpion searches for the ancient uh, Kamidogu before, it, before, it's used to rec- before it's used to resurrect the one being. The film stars the voices of Joel McHale as Johnny Cage and Jennifer Carpenter as Sonya Blade alongside alongside other notable voice actors. So this movie has been getting reviewed like badly, poorly. Like the Scorpion's Revenge actually reviewed pretty well and people were actually expecting more from this movie. But apparently this movie has too many plot lines in one movie. In a short movie at that. It's an animated shit. It's animated, yeah. yeah. It's an animated movie and it's like 80 minutes long and there's too much plot is what I understand. Now, ne- now, the next one is Afterlife of the Party. It comes out September 2nd on, on Netflix. A social butterfly has experienced the biggest party foul of all, dying during her birthday week. To her surprise, she's given a second chance to right her wrongs on Earth by reconnecting with loved ones and, most importantly, prove that she's worthy of getting into the big VIP room in the sky. The film stars Victoria Justice, Midori Francis, Timothy Renouf, uh, Adam Garcia, Gloria Garcia, and Spencer Sutherland. I only know who Victoria Justice is because she was a Disney Channel star from like uh, Zoe 101 and Victorious. Um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is definitely the pick of the week by no, not even close. close, Yeah. My pick of the week, Shang-Chi, comes out on September 3rd in theaters. Martial arts master Shang-Chi confronts his, the past he thought he left behind, ah, he thought he left behind when he's drawn into the web of mysterious Ten Rings organization. The film stars Simu Liu, Aquafina, Benedict Wong, Michelle Yeoh, and Tony Leung. That's a good cast. I'm surprised Benedict Wong got a top billing, by the way, because I thought he was going to be just a cameo. 
But yeah. okay. Next up is the Gateway, which is in theaters this Friday. It says a down on a, a down on his luck social worker finds himself in over his head when he tries to protect a client from the recently paroled husband, a maniacal drug dealer out to reclaim his priceless stash. The film stars Frank Grillo, Olivia Munn, Shea Wingham, Taryn Manning, King, Keith David, Mark Boone Jr., and Bruce Dern. That is a that is a badass cast. Yeah, it is. Next up is Mogul Mowgli. I'm sure this is a limited release movie, but it comes out in That's theaters. That's like Mowgli from the Jungle. Yeah, the Jungle Book. That's so racist as fuck, by the way, because the, you, you'll see what happens in theaters uh, this weekend. On the brink of the first, uh, on the brink of his first international tour, Zed, a British Pakistani rapper, decides to fly home to the UK to visit his family he has not seen in two years. In the midst of trying to reconnect with his parents, he is suddenly struck down by an autoimmune disease. As his condition worsens and his big breakthrough moment is in, the, is in danger of vanishing into thin air, Zed descends into physical and emotional crisis amplified by vivid hallucinations. The film stars Riz Ahmed. <laughs> That's fucked up. They're calling him Mowgli. <laughs> This is fucked up. That's racist, right? Why you call it Mogul Mowgli? And it's making star Riz Ahmed. You know who Riz Ahmed is, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That shit racist as fuck. It has nothing to do with the Jungle Book, by the way. Look, look, I'm going to show you. I'm going to pull up Mogul Mowgli, and I'm going to pull up the... Maybe it's a coincidence that, like, Mowgli ain't probably that Mowgli. I think he's, like, a different... <laughs> I pulled up the poster, by the way, and I'm making him laugh even some more. Well, I don't think that's Mowgli from like that. I think his name is just coincidence. His character's name is Zed or whatever the fuck. You know yeah, what I, mean? like, I don't think he's like the Mowgli <laughs> from the jungle. Mogul Mowgli, like because yeah. he's, he's like he's about to be a rapper. He's about to be famous. He's about to go on tour, but now he's sick. Why the fuck is his name Mowgli. <laughs> I, I just don't like. I don't know. You why never even heard of this. You didn't, you yeah, like, but I, I like. It was funny because I was thinking. I don't know. It was so funny because I was thinking it was Jungle Book the whole time. Like I thought it was like. That's a what jungle, I'm thinking too. I thought it was like a Jungle Book spinoff. But then when you said it was Star Hill and he was trying to be a rapper and shit, I knew. I, it's, <laughs> it had me laughing so hard. Uh, next up and the final new release that I'm going to highlight is called Worth. It comes out this Friday on September 3rd on Netflix. In Washington, D.C., lawyer Kenneth Feinberg battles cynicism, bureaucracy, and politics to help the victims of 9-11. The film stars Michael Keaton, Stanley Tucci, Amy Ryan, Tate Donovan, and Mark Maron. That's a pretty good one. I will say that. Uh, And also, this is just a public service announcement. PSA. Uh, these are just other new releases that are coming out, and most of these are going to be like straight to VOD. Uh, a BET original movie called Karen is releasing on Friday, as well as a Saban-produced film called Zone 414, which is a video-on-demand release starring Guy Pierce. A movie called Yakuza Princess starring Jonathan Reese Myers is releasing. An apocalyptic horror movie called We Need to Do Something is coming to VOD. And finally, a Cinderella adaptation called Cinderella is releasing on Amazon Prime this Friday. So that's a lot of new releases, and yeah, obviously, I will be watching Shang-Chi uh, this coming Sunday, which will be in time for next week's show to give you my thoughts, and uh, any, is there anything that catches your attention as far as new releases other than Shang-Chi? Just Shang-Chi. That's all I care about. <laughs> I ain't gonna act like, uh, well, I ain't gonna no, be, it ain't gonna be Mogul, Mowgli. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go with Worth, because, you know, it's Michael Keaton, you know? Yeah, I mean? no, I like It looks Michael like an Oscar I like bait. Michael Keaton, but... It looks like Oscar bait. I mean, listen, on the day, uh, on the same weekend of Shang-Chi, I don't give two shits about nothing else. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> 
All right. So, yeah, that's going to be it for the uh, for the thing. And, uh, I can, and Troy can actually see what I had planned uh, for for the next uh, segment. We're going to have to cats. do that one eventually. We're going to have to do that one, yeah. So, in the meantime, we'll go ahead and just end, end it here. And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain so yeah, it is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at Ready Play Movies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Troy. I'm Bracey Troy 58 Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time.